0: This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, Hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target. Great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta-owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double-reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey wreaths to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stettler, Alberta, puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to another episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories. Today I'm excited to be joined by Duncan Granger, also known as Hog Hooker Fishing on Instagram. Duncan's page is absolutely loaded with trophy fish. Whether you've dreamed of catching huge pike, walleye, trout, sturgeon, saltwater fish, or really anything, this guy has done it all. He is a brand affiliate of Lucky Bug Lures and supports the community by always sharing tips and answering questions. Duncan, thanks for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Aaron. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing really good, man.
1: Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Thanks for uh, bringing me on. I'm always happy to share anything with, uh, you know, in Alberta, whether that's, you know, the fishing side of things or, or you know, any Alberta content content creators like yourself, it's awesome. So uh, yeah, right. thankful for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And yeah, I appreciate you coming on because yeah, once I started going through your page, I was like, holy cow, like you got some stuff on there that uh, I think so many guys spend their whole lives chasing Uh, you know fish of that caliber and that quality and it seems like you just got uh, that four-leaf clover in your pocket or something or it's just all skill and knowledge and get on it all but it's crazy man
1: yeah well you know maybe it's a little bit of both like let's be honest here like (laughs) when it comes to the Instagram stuff like it's a highlight reel right so yeah there's so many days that i go out that you know maybe i'm not getting on those fish or getting that content that uh you know doesn't necessarily get put out there as much right so um yeah it's not it's not like that all the time right there's a lot of time that goes into behind the scenes but
0: no that's totally fair man and i think we all kind of can feel pressure sometimes from it's actually kind of been a topic recently and i think you and i were talking about it a bit too just there's always kind of that thought that everyone's chasing you know the biggest fish or the biggest buck or the biggest animal. And it's like, sometimes it's not always what it's about, but it's sometimes it's easier to get caught up on that. Cause it's like social media is always a highlight reel, right? Everyone wants to share their best achievements and the thing that they're, they're most proud of. Right. So it's easy to forget that. Yeah. Like you say, that's not what it is all the time. Right. So.
1: Well, and that's definitely like something that I even think about, like when it comes to the content creation side, like, you know, when I first got into it, I thought about it more in like a business sense and, and you know, what's going to get the most views and the most reach. But, um, you know, there definitely is a downside there. Like, like we were talking about previously, like you mentioned, like people see that and sometimes there's a bit of a competitiveness that goes on or, you know, maybe they go out and have a tough day and see someone else that's out on the same body of water that does really good. And, you know, they're questioning what they're doing wrong and stuff. So, I mean, that definitely is a downside. But I mean, there's a lot of pluses to it as well. Like the social media has allowed me to connect with so many, you know, people in the community, people like yourself, and, you know, brings on a lot of opportunities. So um, yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons like anything, right?
0: I, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think exactly how you put that, like, if you can see past the the point where sometimes it can be a little competitive or whatever, it's like, even just through like doing this man exactly like you said like talking to guys like you and the other guests that have been on too it's like starting to create this little community of people that all of a sudden i realize like all know each other and are all you know supportive of each other like you know the season's been kind of big that yeah. you know when, when people are landing big fish or you know landing big animals and hunting season here like everybody's just stoked for everybody and it's so cool to see like it's yeah it's been really cool yeah
1: it's just it's good to like, you know, connect with some of those people that share the same hobbies, like even off the social media side, like I don't know how many times I've been at the boat ramp or whatever. And you bump into somebody that recognizes you or you recognize them. And you know, that's just something that wouldn't happen otherwise. So um, I think in that aspect, it's good. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So I noticed on uh, your page there, you're from Calgary.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Born and raised. So just outside of Calgary and, yeah, kind of just grew up as an Albertan, hunting and fishing, typical kind of Alberta lifestyle, I guess. And you know, hunting is is a big part of what I do as well. Um, I don't put that out there on the social media as much. You know, a little bit here and there. Um, primarily just the fishing stuff, but uh, you know, both both pieces have always been there as a, a big part of my life um, growing up.
0: Well, that's really cool, man. I I like, you know, trying to pick out more about you. I found, you know, obviously there's that tons of content to fishing and then when we were talking back and forth and you mentioned you drew a few uh pretty good digs this year i was like oh man like this guy must be yeah quite heavily into hunting as well so what did you draw this year again you got moose or
1: yeah so i the only tag i actually drew this year was uh a bull moose tag uh so i've got that in my pocket so i'm going up north uh it's kind of an annual trip that we do to the peace country so that'll be in October here. So I've got the bull moose, the bull moose draw, and then that's uh general elk as well. And uh general bear. So, um, and you kind of never know what you can run across in there. So looking, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely looking forward to
0: that. That's really cool, man. So uh, is that like primarily all rifle stuff you're doing or bow stuff too, or?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all rifle hunting. Like I did have a bow, I still have a bow and I shot it, you know, here and there, but never uh yeah none of my hunting has been serious with the bow not for big game um yeah that's all been done with uh with the rifle but how about yourself like uh, i've been dying to ask you it's funny uh i know right before we connected there last week before long weekend we were talking about uh you know our hunt trips and stuff that we got planned and you mentioned you're going out and then i see you whack this monster like what was <laughs> it you shot it on was it the friday that you shot it the friday night
0: yeah, it was for like the Bozone season opener, September 1st, um, Yeah, know, yeah. Friday night. I I plucked it probably about, yeah, 8.20 and like legal shooting light was like 8.52. So probably like that, it was in that last kind of golden hour, but yeah, the, yeah. the
1: last well, hour. Yeah, last what's going to happen, especially for, sorry,
0: what was that? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, like the last half hour, 45 minutes,
1: yeah, that's uh, yeah, like that's usually when it happens. I feel like those big bucks, if you're gonna get them, it's in the first few hours of light or, or right at dusk. They're smart; they know when to move around. But I mean, yeah, you know, let's let's reverse the roles, and I'll interview you for a minute. Let's walk this, you know, walk us through this. I'm sure all your listeners are <laughs> dying to know that uh, saw that that was a pretty spectacular buck.
0: You know, I didn't know how I would uh, do this because, you know, this whole time, man, I, I've not really been focused on myself at all. I've been really trying to share the light of everybody else and what everyone's doing and the success of everyone else. So yeah, it's a little weird. And I didn't know if I was going to, you know, do something special to to tell the story or tell it by myself or have someone tell it, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's not the craziest thing, but just like I was mentioning in the podcast before, like if a few of the previous ones, like the most recent previous ones, um, I was just kind of talking about how I wasn't going to run any trail cameras this year. And uh, yeah. yeah, Been talking to some of the guys that I've kept in touch with from like previous episodes and stuff. And they're starting to share trail camera picks previous to the season, like in that last week of August and everything like that. And I started messaging a couple of the guys like, yeah, you know, maybe I regret not <laughs> putting, putting the uh, cameras out and seeing what's around and, yeah. You know, even now, like, knowing about this buck and stuff, I don't know if I would have been, you know, I I don't know if I would have tried to wait for it more or, you know, like, I don't know what my mental plan would be going into the season had I known he was around. So um, had,
1: had other guys got pictures of him then, like, after the fact that you talked to?
0: Yeah, so actually the neighbor who I called, I called to tell him about it. He's, he farms. So I was like, You know, this is his busy time of year. I didn't expect him to come over at all. I just wanted to tell him about what happened. And I was like, dude, this thing is kind of a monster once I plugged it. And uh, he was like, oh, he's like, I've got my shoes and my coat on. I'm like, I mean, I was like, dude, you don't need to come over if you don't need or if you're busy. Like, that's all good. And he's like, no, I want to come see you. I'm going to come help. He's like, let's do this or whatever. So super, super nice guy. But uh, he knew another another fellow hunting kind of a, a section he gave permission to on his property I guess, I don't know, a little more like Northeast or whatever, but, uh, nonetheless, he had a trail camera set up and I think the day after, so uh, the day after like the Saturday there, he messaged him and was like, wondered if he seen this buck around or anything. And then, uh, yeah, he sent him a picture back of him on his trail camera. So, Oh yeah. That's things cool. been yeah moving around a bit and, uh, yeah, it was just very unexpected. Um, you know, I, I went in sitting down. I was actually talking to Luke Squires from episode nine there. I was talking to him in the afternoon and uh, I was, we were literally having this conversation and like, yeah, man, I was, it was kind of like the whole, you know, if it's brown, it's down thing this year for me, I was like, you know, if it's a buck, a doe, obviously, as long as it's not like a doe with a fawn or something, you know, I was like, I'm not really too specific. If it's, you know, it doesn't have to have a big rack. I just wanted to put something in the freezer and, you know, go, run through the, paces again and everything right so
1: yeah
0: um i had a pretty tough year last year so i was like you know I, I got a little too choosy last year and walked out without a deer last year and yeah it was a little tough so
1: yeah
0: this year i was just kind of like you know what the heck with that same kind of thing like don't worry about the instagram stuff or what everyone else is like be happy for their success but you know just kind of focus on my own thing and be happy with whatever happens and then yeah sure enough that night like i said just looking out and I was kind of just hoping to see a deer. I was hoping to see anything in that like last little hour of light. And then right next to like a tree trunk about 40 yards away, I seen a white tail just kind of flicker out from the tree trunk. And I was like, no kidding. Like we got a deer in the area. Right. And then, yeah, sure enough, it, uh, it was hunched over. Like its neck was down. It was sniffing the the dirt and everything kind of slowly pacing around. And, uh, yeah, I, just kind of seen a couple of the points, a couple antlers, and I was like, oh, it's a buck, like right on. Like, I just yep. didn't realize see nice. And then, uh, yeah, it kind of came through the bush a little bit more and uh, lifted its head up and was smelling around in the air, kind of checking out its area. And uh, when it lifted its head up, it just gave me that, like, huge look at this crown, like this freaking huge rack on him. And I was like, cool. immediately my... Yeah, my heart just blew through my chest immediately man so yeah yeah so I feel bad that I'm just going on about this whole story and I don't know if I should just you know dump it no, all out. no I'm
1: sure I'm sure everyone wants to hear it like uh, you know we've, we've all been there and I think everyone can relate to what that moment is like especially I find like tree stand hunting whitetails is so much like that because it can go from like zero to a hundred like so fast right? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know how many times, like, I've been sitting in a stand glassing around and, you know, you check a spot and you look, you know, a minute later and there's a buck that just steps out, you know, right there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes those shots can happen pretty quick. But, no, no, keep going. We got to get to the uh, to the end of it. You, you got halfway through, so.
0: <laughs> it's got to get some meat and potatoes here. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually, um, to kind of jump into, like, a little bit and just finish, I finally... Got into cooking some today and just had some backdrops with the wife and my son. And uh,
1: oh, we nice. had some
0: vegetables from our garden that my wife does and had some of the deer. And I was like, man, like wicked to have that plate of food. But
1: yeah. anyway, I the just fresh fresh off. Of eating and the and
0: cool.
1: best food you can have in the memory that uh, comes with it. Right.
0: Oh, you bet, man. And to just kind of honor that animal that way, it was a special meal that I ate just before coming to talk to you. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, right on.
0: But uh, yeah, so kind of laid eyes on it there finally, right? And um, where my tree stand's located, because I've mentioned it previously, like, you know, it's uh, my in-law's property that I hunt off quite a bit. Like, that's where I do a majority of my, you know, close to home. It's 10 minutes from my house. He's 10 minutes out of, like, Bird Park, St. Albert, or, sorry, Bird Park, uh, Edmonton area here in the Edmonton Bow Zone. So, you know, they're their property that I hunt off actually backs on to like a little lease section that quite a few other guys hunt on.
1: Yeah.
0: So I kind of sit a little bit kitty corner to the lease section, kind of in a, a decent little subsection on his property and let the guys do their thing over there and try to do my thing kind of over here. And then, uh, yeah. So when it, like when I seen it and it's like walking into his property where I am, there's like, three trails basically. So yeah. for him to go, he could go one trail that's basically directly at me. then there's one trail kind of to the right of him. It's almost like a triangle, right? Like game trail wise. There's like one kind okay. of game trail to the right of them. That one, if he went down that one, it provides me with a few shooting lanes covered in a lot of brush and a lot of trees and stuff like that. And then there's another trail kind of to the left and of him. And yeah, it would be, same kind of thing. Not a lot of good shot opportunities. There could be potential for one or two or whatever, but
1: right, right,
0: if you come down the one straight towards me in the tree stand, it opens up and my tree stands kind of in a little bit more open of a section and uh, yeah, it same kind of thing. There's not really a designated trail at that point. It's just a little bit more wide open with some bigger trees spaced out. So anyway, he, uh, he really takes his time kind of choosing his trail. He's going a bit to the right, going a bit to the left, kind of coming down the middle a bit. And you can tell he's just being really careful. Like I'm wondering if his senses are up and he's like, I mean, yeah. he's already looked at me. Like at this point we've already kind of locked eyes a couple of times about 40 yards. So, and I'm just at where I'm standing at the, I'm standing in my stand, my bow hanging up right beside me, my hands on my bow. I've got my like release onto my bow. Um, yeah. And there's an arrow knocked, but I'm not by any means drawn back or even in the position to start drawing back. And I'm just trying to stay extremely still. And then uh, yeah. sure enough, he ends up choosing the trail, which is like directly at me. So he starts coming straight towards me. And that's when I'm just like, yeah, yeah. You know, same thing, like taking deep breaths, calming down the bit, bit of buck fever there and, you know, trying to chill the heartbeat and just take it as easy as I can. And then, uh, yeah, he just keeps coming towards me, and in my head, I'm like, "Man, if if I'm gonna get a shot at this thing at all, like he needs to kind of move somewhere else than directly towards me. He's gonna end up right underneath me, and then yep. coming frontal from a tree stand, like that's a terrible spot. Like oh, frontal on yeah. the ground is one story, but frontal in the tree stand is you know all I'm looking at it is his antlers. So I'm like, this is a terrible. Like that's not a shot at all, right?
1: Yeah, bad angle for sure.
0: Yeah. So he gets. Uh, about 20 yards from me and same thing, kind of slowly doing everything. And then about 15 yards, he starts to turn broadside and he literally, he walks into what is in in my shooting lanes, like the absolute bread and butter for comfortability for me to take a shot, like literally runs into like the money spot for me,
1: yeah. which
0: is like still, you know, it's one of those things that it's a, like exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's like a mix of luck and skill, right? Like, yeah our preparation and whatever, like there's yeah, a few things the that,
1: stars aligned.
0: Yeah, very much so, man. And I mean, like this, like we say it's like the opening day, this thing's in velvet, right? And I'm like
1: Yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah. So at this point at 15 yards between him and I, there's like one tree in between him yeah. and I. And he walks on the other side of the tree. So that was like, you know, my absolute saving grace. As soon as his eyes were behind that tree, I immediately went to full draw. Like I probably went to full draw like the fastest I've ever drawn my bow back. Yeah,
1: that was your chance.
0: Yeah, and then uh, at full draw, I immediately put my pin on the, uh, there's a couple branches off that tree. So I put my pin into kind of the open a little bit, well, into the open shooting lane. um, So I wouldn't be hitting any branches or have any, any ricochet or anything. And man, at this time, he's still taking his time, just slowly taking a step, pausing, smelling the ground, taking a step, pausing, smelling the ground, smelling around. And I'm like, man, I might have to, like, let down. I was getting a little concerned that I might have to let my bow down. And then, uh, yeah, I just keep looking, and I watch his nose and his eyes and everything walk through my sight, um, yeah. watch his neck walk through my sight. And I'm just – at this point, probably the most comfortable I've ever been taking a shot ever was, like, with an animal because, you know, I've had rough shots in the past, and I was just – really really focused this time about like okay don't let the size of the rack make you screw this up and you know don't think of it any different than shooting at a target so I really settled in at that point um and I really like I remember just like hey my going through my shot cycle in my head I was like I'm paying attention to my breath I'm on my anchor point like I'm not death gripping my bow like my hands are relaxed like I'm in a very calm shooting state and then, as soon as my pin started to hover over his shoulder, got to the crease of his shoulder and his lungs, and I just gently squeezed the release and let the arrow fly right, and then smoked him, went right through him, like straight pass through. Uh, and, and at this point, beautiful. I didn't. Sorry.
1: I said that's yeah, it's beautiful. That's what you want.
0: Oh man, I couldn't like I've I've never honestly had a perfect situation happen like this where you get the full pass through. You see your arrow after like you. Are you
1: right. shooting like a uh, lighted knock and stuff so you can see it real well?
0: I actually don't shoot lighted knocks at all, but it's funny because uh, C&D Archery Shop, so Corey and Doug, they got a couple shops in Southern Alberta here in uh, okay. Rossland and Malague. Um yep. And uh, they're one of the like sponsors of the podcast. And I ordered a couple things. To support the store there I ordered a couple things and they end up sending me out these arrow wraps with like the cnd logo on it right oh yeah and uh I was like oh sweet and that's kind of like last minute like the last two weeks before hunting season I'm like ripping apart my arrows putting these like uh arrow wraps on it and I had and they were bright orange and then I had these like bright orange spare veins kicking around to repair arrows with I'd probably like 50 random bright orange veins like brand new and I was like man that's just wild so Quickly put together these touch offset, yeah, orange veins on this orange wrap and went and tuned them. But I also ordered a rest through them, so I got a new drop away rest as well. So I was kind of doing the last thing that you should be doing two weeks before season and screwing with my equipment. I like, put on, the bow, yeah, yeah, I like put on a new rest. I like, you know, I was like, um, timing the rest to drop and everything, and you know, getting that all tuned in and everything. So I on the new rest, rebuilt the arrows, like started firing again, firing broadheads, retuning my broadheads, like kind of redid the whole thing. And then I was just praying that like everything was gonna work on this shot, even though everything was, and you know, it's just my brain still is like, please don't let there be a mechanical failure after roughing this in the last two weeks, <laughs> kind of thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, hidden broadside straight through, but you know, knowing me, oh and you know, like. I I don't I like seeing the arrow in the dirt because it's all bright orange. So when you ask what the lighted knocks, like I could see the arrow like straight from the tree stand because of how bright orange it all was. Okay,
1: gotcha.
0: So I got lucky there, like just from it, there's not a lot of fall colors or anything. I could just straight up see it right there. And of course in my brain, I'm like with everything happening so fast, all of a sudden it's like did I just miss? I was like, please, like I was like, please don't oh, missed, right? Because yeah. he, like, what happened on Impact was he kind of like he did the like string duck, but I'd already gone through him. But he, yeah. like, John, like, ducked down or string jumped, and he let out like a snort wheeze. He was just like, like yeah. right as I hit him, and then and like probably no buck started. or anything. Sorry,
1: he didn't uh, buck or, or jump up or anything.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he like he like squatted okay. down, snort wheezed, and then like jumped right, and, Okay, yeah behind in the trees and i wasn't able to write this up in the like little write-up i did because i didn't really know how to like include all this detail i was getting long but in the trees behind him there was he must have been bachelored up with another buck i never seen the other buck like maybe it's another you know bozone tank or something i'd never seen what it looked like but immediately another buck in like the tree line behind him like busted out like spooked and like started snort wheezing and just crashing through the bush so i was yeah. like okay hey, i'm trying to pay attention to the buck i just shot this other one's making a hell of a lot of noise going this way and i'm like please don't just be snort wheezing so much that you cause the other one to run farther or whatever right so i right, starting right, to right. get in my head about all of that and then anyway yeah so uh i got my eyes on the one that i shot and at least thought i shot you know pretty damn confident i'm like there's no way i'm missing a 15 yard chip shot i'd like i'd quit i'd hang her up at that point but yeah yeah. but uh but yeah so he goes about 35 40 yards and he jumps through like some willows and i can just see his tail and his antlers and he's still kind of giving out this bit of a gargly snort wheeze like i don't know kind of rough and then uh in my head, I'm like, I need to see if there's blood on that arrow. I was like, I just, I'm pretty damn confident that that guy's about to basically fold up, but I need to see if there's blood on the arrow. I don't want to spook him. I don't want to move too soon or anything. And then I lose sight of his tail and his antlers, and I just hear, like, the softest kind of crash. And where he is is, like, in another pretty wide open pocket. So it's not like you would hear a, a lot of bush crash or something, right? Right. So I was like, I'm pretty sure he just, like, bedded down or laid down or died you know I was like he just did pretty sure unless I lost sight of him and he's gone for, for a long run you know so yeah. at that point I like get down from my stand as absolute quiet as possible and I like walk over to my arrow like super quiet and I run my hand and I could see on the orange like it's covered in red and I'm like okay like I rip through him and I go in Grabbed the arrow and it's just soaked in blood and I'm like oh my god I got a pass through like I was just so stoked that everything so
1: Relieved, probably.
0: oh dude so relieved at that moment because I wanted to call my wife I wanted to call you know I didn't call anyone till I touched the arrow and once I've seen all the blood and everything I like called yeah, my wife and I was like I just laced this like big buck I was like oh my goodness and then that's that time that I called the uh, the farmer next door right and told him about it and same kind of thing. He was like, I got to come see or whatever. So I wanted to give the buck some time. So, you know, we'll know the don't just go running up to it right away kind of thing. And if it's not no, dead, no, no. you know, it's going to no. jump and run. So I uh, backtrack my way out of the bush there and I walk up to my father-in-law's garage and my father-in-law and one of his buddies are uh, hanging out, just having a couple beers in the garage on a Friday night, watching a bit of baseball there. And uh, I was just like, you know, I just blew <laughs> into the garage and I was just like, like what i was like i just laced this big boy down there it's like so empty he's like no like you're joking me like with disbelief because like i mentioned before and i mentioned to a few other people and i think you too. like i haven't seen a buck on his property bigger than a three by three that's why i stopped running cameras because i was like i know what's around here there's some small bulls and there's some like okay bucks and i'm happy with it i'm not you know if that's what i connect with that's what i connect with I, i wasn't trying to chase the trophy by any means and then shit that's what ends up kind of happening right so yeah, yeah it's just funny and then you know I told him about it and he was kind of in disbelief too because you know he looks out his window every day and sees all these deer in the field and he's never like you know this is a giant or not or whatever he's all kind of normal right right so anyway at this point the farmer from next door city rolls in and uh him and I are kind of BS in a bit and talking about everything and he's got a few flashlights because at this point it's dark now right after legal shooting light and everything all fades and everything yeah so uh he's got a few big lights and he's like you know let's get out there and take a look and I was like do you want to at this point it'd been probably about an hour since I pulled the shot so it's probably about like yeah 9 30 at that time and I was like I was like do you want to wait a little bit longer I was like should we give it some more time and he's like man he's like let's just we'll go look and you know take it easy walking up there or whatever so you go over there Go to where the arrow was, you know. There's, yeah, start trailing, tracking blood. And he's like, What direction? Do you and I'm like, Dude, I know it pretty much exactly where I think it is because yeah. I'm going off the, where I seen it crash under the willows there. And uh, I'm starting to kind of speed walk. And he's like, looking at all the blood, looking at this line, looking at this. And he's like, Yep, blood there, big pile of blood there, like great trail. And I'm like, like, let's just go over here like let's just go i'm just like let's go check it out
1: forget the trail i want to see this buck
0: yeah and it's funny because uh he he kind of cuts in front of me and he gets into this open spot and he and i i could swear he seen the deer first and he does the nicest thing right he turns around to me he's like kk wait he's like when we get up to this open spot, he's like, let's just do a proximity scan before we like keep tracking blood or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, man, like oh, yeah. that's what I'm here to do anyway, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even really worried about the trail just yet. And yeah. so, yeah, I just like scan with a flashlight and boom, like that one picture, I think that was in my story. And I think you and I, I think that was the first one you commented back on where you just see kind of the top of his antlers laying in the ground. That was exactly my first sight walking up to him. And yeah. like before I even walked up to him, he was like, dude, let's take a picture. Cause this is the first time we see him. Like, let's take it. Like we found this picture. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I took a picture walking up and then, yeah, man, I was just to see it full velvet and like, you know, I, I could see it had this big kind of wild rack, but then, you know, when you're up close and personal and you're just like, you know, just unreal how that right side is like just how wild it is so much character to it. Yeah, and that, really uh,
1: no, ground, uh, no ground shrinkage on that one. So, so when you saw him coming in, you didn't know it was like a split beam then?
0: No, like, honestly, from what I've seen, I just, I didn't even have time to, like, really count points and everything. Even though it was going really slow, I was yeah. just so much more focused on, like, where its attention was and where its eyes were and everything being that close to me. I was just, I think, like, hyper-focused on not spooking it. And just yeah. being like, you know, once I identified, I'm like, yeah, this is a whitetail and it's coming in and whatever, you know, and I just kind of yeah, lost like.
1: Uh... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that's like the right mindset to be in. Cause I feel like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but if you saw, and, and you knew like how special of a buck that was coming in, like, I don't know what would happen. It'd be pretty hard to, you know, keep it together in that moment. Um, I feel like, but. Yeah, Yeah. that's a, that's a cool deer. Like I've, I've only seen one other deer and it wasn't quite like that, but there was one that someone had shot out on the property where I go hunting whitetails and they shot it and they ended up losing it. And so the landowner ended up finding this buck uh, later on in the springtime. And he was kind of the same thing. Like he had a split beam coming off one side, but it was, he didn't have like the third time coming up like yours does. He had uh, a split beam. Points coming off both sides. It was the right side, I think. And then he had like a pretty typical left side. So I don't know, you know, where that comes from. Like I've heard that if a deer like picks up an injury on its offside, that that can throw a weird rack on like the opposite side antler. But I don't know. Have you uh have you heard anything about like what would cause something like that?
0: I've definitely heard like the same thing that you're you're talking about. And I've like heard the it like back and forth rebuttal. I've heard some people be like that doesn't mean anything. And I've heard some people be like, no, this has been studied that. Yeah. If yeah. that exactly, like you said, if there was an injury on one side or something that something like that happens, but yeah. Just and super, so when like,
1: you skinned them out, like you didn't see anything like that was obvious like that, Then
0: hey, No. And actually uh, people asked me cause they were like, Oh, just with it being a Bozone buck, like, was there any other, you know, maybe failed attempts, like, you know, same thing, kind of any other scars or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, no, to be honest, man, it, you know, I know a lot of whitetails are like this, but there was something about the like perfection of just his colors. Like his stomach was just so white. It looked like he never laid it down a day in the dirt in his life. Like,
1: yeah, he looked was, like a young buck to me, like from the pictures. it, it he didn't look like he was a super old deer, but. I mean, and that's
0: what we found too. Like he had all of his adult teeth. Like we found like he's got his adult mature teeth. Like he must've yeah. just really been getting to that mature maturity, you know, like, and I'm sure same thing, this guy, it's tough. Cause he could have been an absolutely insane buck in like a year or two too. But when you're in the bow zone and it's public yeah. right behind you, it's like, I don't know anyone not in the right mind. That's going to take a, take their shot. I on mean, that.
1: Yeah. Come so. on. Who's, who's going to let that buck walk? Like, let's be honest
0: yeah and well i mean a
1: shot like that right like 15 yards like your golden opportunity like the perfect shooting lane like that's mm -hmm. uh that's so awesome so was that your first bozone buck off that property
0: yeah man it was and that was uh and it was funny because i also got caught talking on the podcast about how oh you know and i there's probably like four or five episodes that i'm like yeah you know i had the bozone on my in-laws property and uh you know, I've seen some spikers and stuff like that, but I've just never seen those, like, you know, Big Buck Magazine trophy bucks coming through the Bozone, and then I just eat my words. Like, I just literally, yeah, like, so I've funny. never seen anything like that in my area, but look what's in my area. <laughs> just like...
1: Well, and you know what I was thinking yeah. about, like, when you, were, when you were saying, like, you know, that you weren't really going out with any expectations and not looking for a giant, like, I don't know how many times, whether it's hunting or fishing, that, like, when I've given up all hope is the time that something happens. Like that's almost like a rule of thumb. So like, you know, whatever it is, it almost seems like when, when you have those expectations and you're like trying too hard that like, I don't know if animals can pick up on it or what it is, but like, I don't know, maybe that's something I've just experienced myself, but I've definitely found that to be true. Like you let the, let go of those expectations and I don't know, things just seem to go your way.
0: It's there's gotta be some merit to that for sure. Cause I found the same thing fishing too when I'm like, You know it's first thing in the morning like a storm just rolled through like they got to be hungry like you know you kind of stack the odds in your favor and you go out there expecting it to be a a great time and then all of a sudden it's just like not and then you know you go to leave and for some reason at the hottest point of the day it blows up and all the math that would tell you that that's not the way it should work is all of a sudden how it works right it's kind of the same thing like you know you guys spend their whole lives hunting for like a velvet opener whitetail of like especially of that caliber you know so and that part of times i'm like man i don't feel like worthy of this buck and then times i'm like you know it's so even this like talking to you about it is pretty surreal and you know like you said with him being like a smaller buck too like we we thought the same thing that like you know he's getting there and he had his adult teeth and he's like a mature buck but not like you know an old an old dog that needs to be put down you know like yeah, So but the meat man like holy smokes like absolutely oh, delicious, yeah. so
1: that's awesome well hey now now i guess next season you gotta shoot a quad buck or what like you're gonna look for a dual <laughs> split beam
0: i'm gonna go out with the same thing man i'm like i'm just gonna you know no high expectations and you know fill the fill the tag to fill the freezer <laughs> yeah. and then eventually yeah. i'll probably try to chase it but you know, actually, like it I know we mentioned, and then I made that post, but I brought it into Hunter there at Precision Edge at Precision. Oh yeah, Edge. I
1: saw that.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, it was. I, it was funny because I told Hunter the same thing because, like, you know, we gutted it right there, we drug it out, we threw it in my truck. We went like the back half of the story. You know, we drove the truck up, showed my father in law the buck. We like I was on cloud nine about it. We went over, hung it up, skinned it. You know we let it cool overnight and we did the rest of the butchering in the morning. Um, but, you know, even talking to them and stuff, it was like, I didn't think I would shoulder mount a deer for years. Like, you know, I, I always loved taxidermy would love to have, you know, a room full of it and whatnot. And, you know, Hunter's a really awesome guy out there doing it, that precision edge there. And I just, you know, when, when him and I made this connection and I was like, yeah, I'll run some ads for you on the podcast and stuff. And, you know, I don't really expect anything in return because I'm just trying to promote Alberta business and stuff. Right. Um, But, you know, it'd be nice to work with you and support your business. And, you know, I'd love to do a mountain with you one day. And when him and I had that conversation and he's down in Stettler, I realized like both of us thought like, you know, it might be years before we really meet each other, you know, might like, you know, it really, there's a lot of factors that, come into play when it's a phone call to get something put into taxidermy right because i'm not doing that with everything like i'll I'll euro mount anything like i love the euro mounts like i'll do that with almost anything right but it's like yeah you know to have a something worthy of a shoulder mount i did not expect to come anytime soon and then uh yeah to make that phone call and go down there and meet them and you know set that up for that i was really just you know even then going and doing that i was like i can't believe i'm (laughs) getting like a buck shoulder mounted right now honestly it's just yeah it's really crazy to think about still but
1: yeah and it's funny like in a way how that connection came like through the podcast and and all that stuff right so but mm-hmm. hey i was gonna i was gonna ask you like as as much as there would be you know i'm sure you're so stoked to kill a buck like that is a part of you sad that you use your whitetail tag on like the first day like i know you've got a pile of tags you could probably get in the bow zone there so like do you have any other hunts are you going to keep going out
0: Oh, you bet! I'm going to keep going out. So, um, what you're saying that yeah. So there is a pile of tags. So right now I still have a general archery moose tag, and nice. uh, we still do get and same thing. Uh, we still get some small bulls around here, and you know maybe one day there'd be a giant bull that came through. But as far as I'm aware, a lot of guys will take the small bulls, and that's all good. But uh, yeah, I just. I'd like to, I, I don't know if I'm really going to go sought after it right now, like for the general moose tag. Yeah. Um, that one's kind of a tough one right now, just with this deer meat that I have right now. And I have some other moose meat and stuff like that from previous times. So it's, I don't know if it's something I'm really going to eagerly chase and go, I might go maybe sit once or twice for, but then, uh, in October, we Strathcona opens up their like Strathcona whitetail hunt. So that gives you three more whitetail tags and it can either be three does or two does in a buck. So it's okay,
1: your definitely. opportunity
0: to take out another buck or some does. So, I mean, I did get into the trad bow stuff and I've been really trying to get very proficient with the trad bow and I'd love to take a doe one day with a traditional bow, but same thing like that buck man like at 15 yards I could have smoked him with my traditional bow but when I was in that moment I remember right after that shot being like thank god I didn't use my yeah Yeah, Yeah, yeah. dude I was like so glad I wasn't a dumbass with it out there like I think I would have flubbed for sure and then yeah
1: yeah and that's the time like the big huge buck's gonna step out probably right that's how those things go
0: yeah exactly so but so I don't know like there's that kind of stuff and then uh i have plans with a couple of buddies to go out for a general archery elk tag at the end of the month and yeah i don't have a lot of high hopes that'll be actually the first time that i've ever gone so you know okay. even even you know shout at a bull and have a bull shout back i'll consider successful you know what i mean like just yeah, being out yeah. there and even having an interaction would be huge so there's that and then I uh, actually got with Luke there too, we were planning on doing a little spot and stock mule deer hunts in uh, kind of same thing into September into October. So there's that and then uh, yeah, kind of a couple little things that I, I want that are on my radar that are going to go down and go and make some attempts for and if they don't happen, then we'll probably try them again in October and stuff and into November so
1: Nice. Yeah. So you got lots of hunting ahead of you either way. Then
0: that's good. Yeah, man, it's for it's surreal for sure. I got the monkey off my back of <laughs> like at this point, it's just like the rest of the seasons. Like, let's go. But it's, a it's way, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, how many things? It it's really weird because a couple magazine pages from the U.S. have shared my story and my picture without really like I didn't even know of these magazines or anything. So.
1: Oh, really? That's funny. yeah
0: so people have like tagged me like in it and I'm like, Oh man, what, this is weird. So I'll go and just kind of like comment and I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's my dear or whatever. Sweet. Thanks for sharing it or whatever. Right.
1: Yeah. And
0: then, so that was like really cool to see. This is when I really started to realize, like, not only do I consider this like a buck of a lifetime, but a lot of other people are like, yeah, no, this is an, an awesome whitetail. Right. It's, like something to be really proud oh, of. Yeah. And really cool thanks to see that, that same community support, like you say people kind of coming together and like celebrating it. And then one guy was like someone posted the picture on some forum somewhere of it or of the the picture of me with this deer. And uh they're like, does anyone know where this deer's from? And like a couple people were guessing and one guy's like Kentucky. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. <totally laughs> and, and it was just
0: way off. Yeah, man. And it was just so because uh yeah, I don't even know remember where I was going with all of this, but Yeah, it was just a really funny coincidence seeing that and being like, yeah, no, up in Alberta. But, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, like, people were kind of saying, like, Alberta's been having a hell of a year. And, like, man, you've seen some of these bucks that have been shot. Like, you know, there's another uh, guy there that's coming on the pod in a few weeks. And him and his buddy just, they both put down bull elk, like, 10 yards from each other with bows like they both took down bulls at the exact same time
1: actually i think i saw that picture on instagram
0: uh, yeah that double down there yeah yeah so and that was actually funny because him and i were scheduled to chat prior to that trip and then both of us kind of got into a a little bit of sickness like we both kind of had colds, so we moved it to after the trip and we're like he's like yeah man that whitetail and i'm like yeah man those elk and like, we really need to chat and stuff so yeah it was just kind of fun awesome. that one after and then yeah there's been some like huge mule deer i know like the cutthroat cowboys and tanner and everyone there's been like they got a few does and they got a beautiful mule buck there and uh yeah. you know even hunter at precision edge he got a beautiful buck and then uh from tnd put down his antelope and stuff so it's like oh dude it's been like three four days and all of a sudden it's just like bang 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 and i'm like holy smoke It's just kind of hitting the hitting their ground, the, ground, uh, ground here for the Alberta. podcast
1: right. is a good luck charm everybody that's coming on here is getting their animals maybe in uh yeah in october here i might have my own story to share with you with dude and day. we'll be
0: popping right back on dude like <laughs> the, <laughs> let's, let's
1: hope let's oh hope. yeah
0: man Hundred percent. I wish you the best of luck with that, because yeah, and I don't know. It, it's just like you said before, right? It's like the there's this community that can come together and celebrate, right? And it's like that's what it feels like, whether it's people from the podcast or just other people in the community that are all kind of aware of each other through social media. It's like it's just crazy to uh, see, you know, everybody just stoked for each other, and there's this kind of like energy out there right now, like. Yeah. it's firing people up to get out and everyone's getting fired up to go and guys that have had the success are fired up to share the stories and stuff so it's just really cool man but
1: yeah and that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day right
0: yeah oh i completely agree it's a hundred percent what it's about but i appreciate you man like i don't know just swapping roles here and sitting back and letting me share that because it's still very fresh in my mind and uh, like i said i didn't know how sharing the story was going to go and I didn't really want to hold it out either and be like, no, it's, I'm waiting for the right time to tell this story, you know, just kind of let it happen natural. And yeah, I appreciate yeah. you asking and letting me on my own thing, hear my own story. It's, uh, I, the biggest thing I can say, man, is like, after doing the podcast throughout the summer and getting into the winter and into the hunting season here, I was so stoked to see what everybody else was going to do we're always talking about like same thing what you got coming up in october what you got coming up in september what's coming up right and i was so stoked to see people going out after the things that they were talking about chasing that like the last thing i thought would happen was that on opening day i would have like one of the wildest stories you know yeah it's funny
1: you know it's funny how that works and yeah no thanks uh thanks for sharing like I'm sure, like I said, a lot of the audience and and stuff that people follow you on Instagram saw that buck and definitely wanted to hear the story behind it. Like that's uh, yeah, that's a crazy deer. Like I've killed a few good deer myself, but nothing near near to that. Like I've never even seen a, a triple split beam buck like that before. So might take you a while to best that one.
0: You know what? If I never do, I'll still be happy. <laughs> I'm still gonna yeah. be out there hunting anyway. So yeah,
1: yeah, know.
0: that's right. That's and that's
1: how you have to, you know, that's the mindset you have to go into it with, right? Because, um, yeah, if you're always chasing that that bigger buck or that bigger fish, whatever it is, like, um, yeah, you're gonna walk away a lot of days, uh, you know, unhappy, and and that's not why we're getting out
0: there, right? Yeah, and well, that's just it, and unhappy and frustrated, and it's real easy to beat yourself up, man, and I've had a lot of sits and I know a lot of guys too can relate to that. you have a lot of sits that are empty handed. You spend a lot of hours out there. And And the uh, second
1: guessing, like, I know that's something you've talked about before. And like, I can relate to as well, like, and, and whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting, like you're in a spot and your mind just starts racing. Like, you know, what, what if I was over here or should I have done this or, or whatever? Right. So, you know, that all, that all adds to it.
0: Yeah. And I, at hundred percent. I don't know if this buck helps with the second guessing. My thought is that it would because I'm always like, like exactly like you said. Am I in the right spot? Should I move? What could things be different? Whatever. And then, yeah, yeah. like like that thought process right before I seen him was like, you know, I just hope that you know, I see a, a deer tonight just to know that I'm in a decent spot. Like I was just like praying to see something. And when I seen the like flicker of the tail before I even knew what it was, I was just like happy to see a deer. And I was like, even if it gives me a shock or not, like I was just happy to know that like they're around because I wasn't yeah. running cameras. Like I'd seen tracks and scat and whatever, but you know, it was just nice to see something and be like, I'm not patterning anything. So to just know that it was something was around, I was like right on. And then I was like, okay never mind like this is a little bit more than right on <laughs> it's just like... well
1: and you know like my personal opinion on that is like um when when you are patterning deer especially big bucks like that sometimes they're patterning you as well so like i don't necessarily think you know my opinion sitting in the same tree you know day after day or whatever it is if you're looking for a big buck is is maybe not the best strategy like i've i've seen or heard a lot of times Exactly like your story where someone sets up in a random spot, you know, maybe where guys haven't hunted before and, and where this buck, you know, might feel safe traveling through and, uh, and that's where he slips up. So I think, you know, sometimes if you're like, it's a gamble, right? Cause if you're sitting in a new spot, you don't know if there's anything around either kind of like what you're saying. But I think, you know, if you're looking to connect on that once in a lifetime animal, like that, uh, that can definitely be a good way of doing it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really valuable uh, comment to make because you know something that I'm extremely guilty of, especially when I got into running trail cameras and stuff. Like the issue for me with when I started to set up on my in-laws' property, because for a long time I didn't, because I didn't think that it was really a great property, because it, it's not huge, and like I said, with the public spot close, like it's you don't. Th- and then you know, a couple guys have mentioned like, oh well, you know, same thing that like you know Stephen Rennell has said in the past, like the best hunting spots the one closest to your house right yeah so you know i never choked or like chalked it up to be much and then when i decided to and i talked to my father-in-law and i was like i don't know do you care if i try hunting out here maybe i'll give it a shot see what it's like and you know when i started to hunt out here and i started to run trail cameras there um like my we work off of that property as well right like i'm a gas fitter and we all run like they own the company and they run the company out of a shop on their property. So we all, you know, get our work orders, get our jobs, head out for the day from their property. So every, every morning I'm there, like I could be shooting my bow at the property before work or, nice. you know, I could I can be checking out the stand or whatever. Right. So when I first started to set up cameras there a few years back and stuff, I was like every week kind of thing. I was like, Oh, should I go check the camera and pull the card and see what it is? Cause you know, I'm not spending the money on a cell cam at that point or anything. And Should I go check the card? Should I go check the card? And I had to like hold myself back from like checking the card like once a week or once every two weeks. Right. And like really giving it that space and, you know, and it's weird though, man, cause there's lots of people that go through those woods. It's not really like a quiet place, you know, like there's lots of people yeah, that walk yeah. through there there's lots of properties around and kids running around and stuff. Right. It's like, so yeah, you're not, totally like alone in the backwoods there as much as it can feel like it in the dark at times it's uh it's just weird like that's why i never really assume it like people are walking their dogs around and stuff so you just think that like you know there's lots of things to deter bucks from coming through there right so that's why i was never too worried about checking cams a lot but then i'm like wonder if i just don't check cams at all if it'll make them more comfortable with being there or whatever right so
1: yeah less activity in the area yeah i think personally i think that's that's huge like um and who knows right like a buck like that he could have got bumped out of somewhere else and just showed up or or whatever like those big bucks are, are unpredictable and they can they can do some weird behavior like i think a lot of times deer like that um can be completely nocturnal too and uh and sneak around that way and just guys don't see him a lot of times like you know maybe on a trail cam or whatever but not uh, in stand.
0: yeah yeah and that's that's really fair, and it's actually funny because that night there was another fellow hunting the Leith side, and his truck was in the ditch that night. So, yeah, I never ran into yeah. him. I would have like to run into him and just say hey. But there's a very good chance that maybe when he got set up, he he bumped that one closer to me or something weird little yeah. toe or something. But
1: yeah, who knows?
0: If that was the case, shout out, thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better luck next time.
0: Yeah, I feel terrible saying that. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's funny. He's probably listening to this, just freaking out.
0: Yeah, hopefully in a supportive way.
1: My... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope.
0: Yeah, hopefully, like right on, dude. At least one of us got it. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: But anyway, man. So, like I said again, I appreciate you. Like. Like I said, these conversations just kind of go naturally the way they go. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about myself and my story, but I appreciate you uh, flipping the roles. I'm like, man, you should have a podcast. You're pretty dang good at this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No worries. Things to talk about, man. But no. Uh, yeah, it's just really, really crazy opener. And it was really funny because, like you said, it was exactly like that. You were like, e- what's going on? You getting out? And I'm like, yeah, see you later. And then all of a sudden, it was like a message oh, yeah. from you. Yeah, What the f- is going and on. I was
1: thinking about that, like, after I'm like, there's no way, like when we're messaging the night before that you were thinking, you know, that was going to be your day, your opener, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I've been there so many times myself in hunting, right, where I just think, like, even my last season, uh, Whitetail I got last November, like, it was the last day I was, like, pretty down on myself, if I'm honest, like, thinking I'm not going to get a buck, it's not going to happen, and then like it comes together right in like the last few hours alike kind of thing. So wow, you know, things can just change like so fast like that. And, and, you know, just like, you probably didn't think that would have happened, you know, that day or, or even that season. I thought I actually, matter of fact, I, I convinced myself that I probably wasn't going to get a buck. Um, so yeah, it's just like, like I said before, it's, it's when you give up those expectations, it seems like that's when things come together or, or at least when you don't, you know, go into it, like, Overconfident or with, with too high of expectations.
0: Maybe that's a better way to put it. For sure. And I, I totally agree with that. And then I also kind of think about my behavior the weekend prior to opening season. Because I was messing acting,
1: with the bow and stuff.
0: Well, that. And then I was like, we went on a little family vacation and I was kind of acting a little cocky, like just joking about it. And oh, yeah. uh, I think it was like, we, we went out to uh, the Wilderness Village there just over by Nordegger uh, Rocky Mountain House. It's a beautiful okay, spot. Yeah. For, brought the kids out and like my uh in-laws and my brother and sister-in-law brought their kid out and you know it was really really nice and beautiful camp spot and everything and really serene and you know they got a swimming pool like lots of stuff for the kids to do or whatever right so it's nice. very much more directed to kids having lots of fun and everything and then uh well we were out there i think it was like the friday night or something i was like well we're one week away and they're like what and i was like from me shooting a buck on that property or whatever <laughs> just like oh yeah never, just acting all smart ass about it and i was just kind of joking about it but i just i was getting really pumped up because of the podcast like hearing everyone i was that was the most excited i've ever been for i mean everyone gets excited for opening day but i was just somewhat extra excited awesome. so. yeah nice. it's pretty funny man so
1: no that's awesome man like you definitely deserve it like listening to the podcast and hearing about kind of your past in the bozone and grinding it out and and not seeing much but doing the best with with what you have so for a first buck i think uh yeah you can't can't be too dissatisfied with that one
0: yeah no i really appreciate that man that uh it does mean a lot because i don't think of things too much that way and uh when people say that it definitely kind of hits home for me and i do really appreciate yeah, it so for sure But uh, to get more onto yourself there, like whether it's hunting stories or fishing stories you want to share, anything like that, one thing I was going to ask you is like, you have caught fish that have obviously been all over the map. Are you primarily like fishing in Alberta or do you have like a big drive to get into other places or get to the ocean and stuff like that? Like, what's your kind of bread and butter for? for fishing
1: yeah so like i'm primarily fishing around calgary and that kind of area you know for my day to day um there's a few trips that i do here and there elsewhere that are kind of like you know pre-planned and stuff but yeah for the vast majority of it and and the stuff i'm putting up there is all driving you know say within a few hours of, of calgary's kind of my strike zone
0: thanks nice, man and so uh I'm going to ask you, too, and this is kind of random because it's a little off topic, but what do you do for work right now?
1: Um, so, actually, I work in the financial services industry. So, um, specifically, I, I work in I work in wealth. So, I work one-on-one uh, with an investment advisor and uh, and we kind of have a small team. Um, she's pretty experienced in the industry and been doing it for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I just, just help her to manage her clients and, and run her book. So, uh, I don't know if there's any anybody else in the finance industry that's listening, but uh, I'm i IROC licensed investment representative uh, would be my title. But for most people, that's gibberish. So I just say I help uh, rich people get richer.
0: <laughs> that's funny, right? So does that give you then quite a bit of time to to get out and fish and everything, or
1: no? Like, of, like not effort? not really. Like I work full time and I'm I'm pretty busy depending on what time of the year it is. Um, you know, I can have a lot going on, so pretty much it's just weekends uh is, is for the most part when i'm getting out and then maybe the odd day i take off here and there
0: yeah well that's nice So so uh with fall like fall can be you know great fishing as well and great hunting like well open season but do you find yourself kind of like horn by that like are you is there one thing you're wanting to do more than the other or are you just trying to get in as much as everything as possible or
1: um i don't know like for me i, I would say i kind of have a switch over point so it depends on like what i draw for tags like last year i was lucky enough to draw um, an antelope tag down south so i was hunting a little bit earlier in september this year i'm not starting until october um yeah. so pretty much i guess when my hunting starts i just swap over that you know, this year I haven't got too much going on. So I've got that week in October and then obviously all November uh, rifle season for whitetail. And then that just swapping back to fishing after that. So I guess I kind of, uh, yeah, I definitely make priority for hunting. That's for sure. Um, you yeah. know, just because the season's short and it's it's a limited opportunity, right. And fishing, you can kind of do the rest of the year. So.
0: Yeah, that's fair for sure, man. I just do know, like some guys will be like, well, <laughs> Everyone's going hunting, and that leaves the waterways pretty open. So, <laughs> see you later. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you well, know. and there is – yeah, definitely there is that too. But you can only yeah. be one place at once, unfortunately. If I could do it at the same time, I would.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I think that speaks for a lot of us. But that's yeah. So, nice. so uh, yeah, with, you know, just with getting more into – like november you're getting into rifle and then right after that like you're going straight into ice fishing then
1: oh yeah yeah already looking forward to that
0: yeah who oh, you already are now hey <laughs> yeah i find a funny kind of turnover like I, at the end of ice fishing i'm always looking forward to being able open to cover yeah cover more water and then for some reason after the tail end of open water i start to get all stoked to be in a tent or in a shack just trying to stay warm have you done uh, any overnight stuff
1: uh yeah yeah a little bit it's not something i've done too much it's something i want to do more hopefully this winter um but yeah yeah i've done that before it's it's pretty cool experience i think it's something everyone should uh should try at some point or just even night fishing in general like um earlier this year i did quite a bit of night fishing for sturgeon and stuff like that and yeah it's a lot of fun those those overnight trips just Put so much
0: more time on the water. Yeah, man, that's super cool. I definitely seen a lot of guys doing it, and that's something that I know myself I've wanted to do. Like, I started to get those little foam pads and everything to keep kind of like a nice foam floor in my tent, and try to get it caught so I can pull off being somewhat comfortable overnight. And yeah, yeah. do like an overnighter on the ice would be cool, man.
1: Yeah, set up a little heater. Um one thing that's pretty important is to have a little carbon monoxide detector in there or something like that. So you don't yeah. really gas yourself out. But other than uh yeah, other than that, it's uh it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. figuratively and, and literally, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's funny. And yeah, I know it's yeah, it's something that's been on my radar for the last couple of years of ice fishing and I don't know why I really just haven't added out yet and done it, but I've got pretty much everything I need to commit to it and then yeah i think maybe this year would be the year to to do it for sure yeah
1: nice where uh where would you think about going or or like what species would you be targeting
0: see that's kind of like i find that to be the tough thing for myself for spending overnight because because of it being like my first time doing an overnighter on the ice part of me wants to stay at one of these smaller lakes kind of close to home just to yeah. you know, know where Let's i see am how it goes. my Surroundings. yeah whereas like ultimately i'm like dude i want to go for like lake trout in the middle of cold lake but my concern is like i wake up the next day and a snowstorm blows in and i don't know north from east or you know what i mean like yeah you just all of a sudden don't know where you are in the middle of this giant lake right so
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: i have a couple hesitations going full bore into it but even the shacks and stuff they have, man. I'd love to even just go rent a shack out at Cold Lake or something one weekend with some guys or something, and I don't know, do the overnight tent thing. But yeah, I think I'd probably try it. Yeah, a little bit closer to home first, and then, and probably just do for like pike and walleye or something. But I'd really like to. I've never landed a lake trout myself, so yeah, I'd be super. Oh, yeah,
1: happy.
0: I've I've attempted a couple times in a few different places. Like, uh, oh, what's that's killing me? There up by Canmore, there's. Oh why can't I think of the name?
1: Oh there's a few. There's spray up there, it's got lakers yeah. in it. No, yeah. spray lakes, thank you. Yeah, spray's got uh quite a few lakers in it. Actually, there's not well, there's some good ones in there, but yeah, I was gonna say like Lake trout fishing, at least around my area, is is kinda tough. Like there's cold lake. If you go west, there's a few lakes, but um yeah. where I've got into good Lake trout fishing, actually for me that's closer drive. Than Cold Lake, just to go down south and uh, and go into Montana, and there's some some good lake trout fishing down there.
0: Crazy! So it's closer to to go down into Montana than to go up to Cold Lake. I didn't realize yeah so it's that different or like yeah, not yeah, It's uh, close to me either. Really, it's still three hours for me. So
1: yeah, one, I'm a bit further south, obviously. So and you know, yeah. I, I would like to do that trip at some point. Like a lot of guys do it, and and you know, I know they do a derby up there and stuff in uh in the ice season and uh and that'd be pretty cool so that's definitely on my radar for for some point to make the trip up there but haven't mm-hmm. uh haven't done that one yet
0: yeah no it'd be cool for sure man i didn't i don't know why it just didn't click in my brain that yes yeah, south of calgary and less and yeah it's better off to go into Montana. that's why yeah so have you then made that trip a few times Like give you fifth montana quite a bit
1: um when i was younger yeah i used to go there quite a bit i haven't gone back in years now um but yeah kind of when i was growing up we'd go down there family trips go down to montana and do a bunch of fishing south of the border and uh and that's kind of how i got introduced to it actually i did one time i went down there and did a turkey hunt as well um if anyone i don't know if it's still that way but you know obviously in alberta it's hard to get a turkey tag um, it is yeah yeah, not a lot of opportunity there. But uh, at the time, if you drove down south to Montana, it was you could just over the counter as a non-resident buy a, a turkey tag and Montana's got a bunch of uh, a bunch of public land and like we were just south of the border, you know, maybe an hour or two kind of thing and and went down there and got some birds. And yeah, that was a fun time as well. So that's another thing I, I need to go back down to Montana, get some lake trout and shoot some turkeys
0: yeah man and well yeah it's exactly like you say there's legit not a lot of opportunity in alberta for turkey hunting um, yeah, pretty rough. that could be kind of a goofy question but i've never actually hunted or fished outside of the country so is there any sort of like is it just for like a fishing license there is it similar like a non-resident fishing license you just buy over the counter
1: yeah yeah same thing and and i don't know like i know some provinces like say if you go to bc or whatever you have to have a hunter host but at that time in montana um yeah you as a non-resident you could just go buy a tag and and go hunt uh you didn't need anything like that or or you have yeah, fishing license just go buy a non, non-resident license kind of thing
0: crazy that's awesome that's uh yeah, yeah really cool and i mean kind of similar but i've heard very very beautiful topography I mean, really similar landscape obviously to alberta and the rockies and stuff like that and things we have but
1: yeah 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 for the most part i mean i haven't uh, explored too much of the state like i haven't gone you know super far south of the border kind of thing but yeah mm-hmm. generally the same kind of kind of look as southern alberta i would say for the most part
0: yeah and so you gone out to the saltwater too eh
1: uh yeah yeah actually so kind of again how i got my start in fishing before the trips. I guess to kind of Montana started uh, my family would haul our boat out from Calgary to the Island uh, on the West coast. So kind of like my earliest memories of fishing or starting out there on the salt water. Um, and be. then since that I've fished, yeah, i fished a bunch of places in the South uh, as well. You know, fish Mexico a handful of times I fished in Panama. So yeah, I've been fortunate to have some, some pretty cool opportunities that way. So um, I haven't done saltwater for a little while now but uh yeah definitely something I'm always excited to get on the salt. I, I love it those fish in saltwater just built different.
0: Yeah. I can imagine and that's like from and I've never myself fished saltwater. So same thing, been oh, yeah. eager to go out and do it. But uh it's been a while actually since I've been coastal. So yeah it's just, yeah it's
1: just a totally different ball game like the strength of the fish per size and then even just the wildlife like you see so much life in the ocean it's it's pretty cool
0: yeah and the species and stuff too just like yeah completely exactly. yeah yeah it looks insane man so so for you with uh like i kind of said in the intro man like you you got a heck of a lot of just tanks like for each species just an absolute beautiful specimen of each species um what stands out to you as like one of your favorite memories or one of your favorite stories um, being out on the water?
1: Oh boy. That's a, yeah, that's a hard question. There's, there's so many that I can think of. Um, I guess one that, uh, one that comes to mind, there's a picture of a pike that I caught last winter. Uh, It was the best, best one I caught that season. It was a 46 incher. Um, and I've been lucky enough to to get one, actually the last two winters in a row, but that, uh, yeah, that, that was actually a pretty good story. So that day I had, uh, I was taking out a buddy of mine and he had never gone ice fishing with me before, uh, for pike. So, and, you know, I think he he had seen that i caught some big fish or whatever. So I don't know if he felt this way, but I kind of felt like that, the expectation, like to get this guy on a big pike. Right. Um, yeah. So the start of last ice season actually was kind of tough. So at that time I hadn't been getting the fish that I would normally get out of the spots, um, that I had fished the year prior. So I was looking around and, and trying a few spots and I wasn't really sure where to go this day. So I'm like, you know what? I've got some old numbers on this one spot. I haven't been there for a long time, but it used to be good. And, and it was kind of one of those spots that I'd put a lot of big fish at, and I just kind of stopped going there. Um, Cause I, well, I found, I found somewhere better, I guess. But, um, so anyways, like, you know, what? I haven't been there for a while, normal spots, let you know, not producing, let's go give it a try. So get out there super early, set up the tip ups and stuff and put down the camera. And it, like I said, I hadn't fished there in, in a year probably or around that. And, and it was a lot weedier and the water was a bit lower than when I was there last time. And I didn't really like that. Like it just didn't seem like a, a good spot to lay bait. So, We fished for a few hours and i think we had one flag and didn't catch any fish and you know i was getting pretty discouraged so we decided to move to a completely new spot and somewhere i had never tried before but was kind of always on the radar um it was just this edge of a flat that kind of dropped off into a deeper channel so we uh we put down some baits and we had set down the camera and we probably didn't have the camera down for half an hour and this just tank of a pike comes in And uh, on the bait it had come in on, I had put down a big dead sucker fish. And uh, so this was quite a large bait and I could just tell from, you know, the size of the bait compared to this fish that this thing was huge. So it came and kind of nosed it and then it swam off. And, you know, I've spent a lot of hours watching Pike through my underwater camera and you kind of get a sense of their behavior sometimes. So just the way it reacted to the bait and stuff, like a lot of times they will do that, like, sometimes with these big pike i'll watch them for hours like sometimes even a full day where they're messing around with the bait and bumping it and then they leave and they come back and bump it again or whatever but the way this pike reacted i just i thought there was something about the bait that it didn't like so as soon as it took off i i swapped that bait out and and put on a a different bait i swapped it to a sardine and that's kind of what i had luck on that season and Put it back down and we fished for the rest of the day and it was really slow like i can't remember we maybe caught one or two small fish so i was kind of feeling pretty disappointed and you know i was really hoping to get my body on a big fish and of course the day you go out right there's nothing going on um so whatever so i'm like you know what whatever we tried and actually the sun was just starting to set and i had grabbed the auger and i walked it back up to my vehicle uh and my buddy was sitting in the tent watching the camera and just as I was walking back, the flag pops and and he starts yelling from outside the tent. He's like, "Oh, big fish just picked up that bait." And so, like I said, I I kind of planned uh, on, on getting him the fish. So I was like, "Well, do you want to take it?" Kind of thing like take the tip up. And he's like, "No, like it's yours. You you take it." So um, I went over and and I set the hook. And I use mono uh, or floral leaders on my pipe rigs, like a lot of guys use steel, but I like to tie them up with uh, heavy floral usually. So I set the hook on uh, on my tip up line. And of course, that's braided. And I just feel all the stretch come out of my leader. And, you know, I knew it was a big fish. And I'd fought a lot of, you know, big pike through the ice and stuff like that, a lot of fish over 40 inches. So I didn't really have a sense of how big it was. And like fishing with this guy, to be honest with you, I didn't really know. Like he said it was big, but I hadn't fished with him before. So I didn't really know, you know, everyone's definition of a big fish is kind of different. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I fight this fish and it's fighting really hard and I see it through the hole and yeah, I, I know it's a good fish right away and it was over 40 inches, but I wasn't like, you know, freaking out or anything, uh, like that yet. So I finally get it started up the hole and I reach down and I grab her and I pull her out and get her unhooked. And I had, uh, i had made an ice live. Well, so we popped her in there. The hook came right out. I used single hooks, so hooked in the corner of my mouth pops it out easy and uh and so i put it in the live well and we kind of got everything ready got the bump board ready and threw it on there and it was 46 inches and i just i couldn't believe it it was way bigger than i thought it was and there's a video out there of my instagram of me freaking out on the bump board like 46 inch, you know can you believe it (laughs) you know and and that's what it's all about like like and i kind of did a post about it um that's uh pinned to the top of my instagram and like just those days right like we were talking about like grinding like that day move spots like i'm feeling the pressure to get my buddy a fish like nothing's happening like catching barely anything like no flags popping and i'm literally putting stuff away in the truck and and walk back and bang the the biggest one that i caught all season so that was a pretty memorable moment uh from last ice season that definitely stands out
0: Dude, that's absolutely wild and yeah I, I like what you say too because that's so true when uh you know everyone's definition of uh yeah big fish or big whatever 100 percent the same thing when i when i called that farmer next door about my buck and i was like yeah man it's a big buck he's like and he used to work for fish and Game, so he's like you know i'll tell you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty funny but, but yeah man that's uh that's just so crazy so not like do you find with pike like so when you said you're running a camera are you running an aqua view
1: uh yeah so actually i have ran both so right prior i was running uh markums and now running aqua view
0: okay cool so do you find the behavior then through ice fishing like when you're mentioning it like bumping because i've had a lot of that same kind of stuff happen even with walleye and stuff too where they're kind of doing the like play with it and see what's going on and leave and come back. And it's crazy, but yeah, like you say, watch it for hours or a day or whatever. But, um, like what is your kind of opinion on how their behavior changes in the winter time? Like, do you feel like it's a big change in behavior or like their eating pattern or something? I just find, cause I can't really see down there when I'm open water fishing that I don't really know how much merit there is to that but i can tell by like numbers and activities and there's obviously a huge change in it like pattern in the winter but
1: yeah um i mean when it comes to pike, like specifically for big ones definitely i would say like winter is your time to get them like as they're getting ready for the spawn and stuff um you -hmm. know they start feeding pretty heavily and, and need to pack on a lot of weight and then um, you know, honestly, like sometimes in the winter when the water gets cold, like those big fish can be lazy, so um, they can be tough to get them to commit, you know, sometimes. But I would say, like, if you're watching a, a big fish on your camera and it's interacting with your bait, just let it sit and, and don't change anything like, um, you know, depending on what it's doing exactly. But if it, if it keeps coming back to it and keeps coming back to it, like acting like it's you know a magnet, almost like you can't leave it alone. Um, a lot of times I've seen it where, where those fish will do that all day. And then when you get into that prime window, you know, those last, you know, hour, half hour of light, um, it'll pick up the bait or a lot of times, you know, what I've seen is you'll watch them, you know, do that for who knows how long, and then they'll just come in and slam, you know, kind of out of nowhere. So, I mean, it can be tough, like with the cold water temperature, I think it can kind of shut down their aggression a little bit. Um, so yeah, they can be a little bit finicky, but, um. Definitely, I would say the winter time is, is the time to get your your big fish, in my experience.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting for sure, because, you know, I've definitely noticed um, the quantity changes like I find in open water. I'm always getting into a lot more quantity of fish going out than yeah. like the that seems to dissipate for sure. And then but then, yeah, through the ice, the quality can also be a different story. Right. Like yeah. Well, your quality, but
1: and know. and a lot of it depends on on what you're doing. Like when I'm when I'm rigging for big pike, I'm pretty specific in in how I'm doing it. Um so I would say like if if you're going for numbers or something like that oversized, then maybe I do things a little bit differently. But um, you know, if you really want to to go for big pike, a lot of times I'm focusing on those those bigger baits and you're not gonna get those smaller fish or or you will miss a lot of flags where those smaller fish pick it up and uh and just can't fit it in their mouth and and you pull it out of their mouth or whatever so that's why it's nice like to have the underwater camera like i i recommend it to to anyone that has the resources to to get one like uh you can learn so much about fish behavior and and it's so much better than just seeing a mark on a flasher and uh and you can really dial in your your setups that way from watching them on the camera
0: yeah no that's really cool man i definitely well i find too it can separate like like the mark just being something different than what you think it is you know
1: yeah well that um, too like with a camera it, it doesn't lie like you know exactly what you're looking at down there right? yeah so
0: well there's all these times you know i've had guys be like oh we're like over top of a school and then we'll send an aqua view down and it's like yeah school perch, dude <laughs>
1: yeah exactly right
0: and and i mean don't get me wrong yeah perch are great when you get into a jumble but yeah it's uh it's really interesting insight because And I really appreciate your uh, input and your knowledge on that because for myself, I've gotten into those situations where something's kind of poking at it. And uh, I think my immediate thought is that's not totally what they want or, you know, they're not, I need to switch it up. Like I kind of have the opposite thought of being like, I need to change it. And then obviously they're gone and then they're gone for good, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to just hang out there with it is something that, honestly, I'm going to take as a piece of advice and, and think about that next time I'm fish. I'll probably think about you next time I, I get into that situation on the ice because uh, it's a really valuable input towards it because I've totally yeah. done the complete opposite thing and assumed the complete opposite thing. So that's really cool.
1: Oh, for sure. And and like I said, like it, it kind of depends on the situation, right? Like with that 46-inch or the first thing I did, when I left was changed the bait. So like, you know, it's hard to know when to make that call. And and a lot of times that just comes from experience of, of watching so many fish on the camera. And actually what I do as well is I uh, I record it as well. So I record everything that I'm, I'm videoing on my underwater cameras, and then you can, you know, go back and watch those videos and edit it or whatever. So um, on my Instagram, I've got some pretty cool underwater, fitted, underwater footage, um, you know, of pike primarily. And uh, and you can see them coming in on the bait and, and some of the stuff that they do and yeah it's pretty cool and it, like I said it helps you learn so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's just way too cool for sure. Like, um, I don't personally have an aqua view. I like definitely in the market of buying one, but I did have a buddy that I'd fish with quite a bit that had one, but preferred to run the marker more than an aqua view for a finder. And yeah, I just so he would just always be like we'd split up, I'd go run my tent somewhere, he'd run his tent wherever, and he'd just be like yeah, take the view with you. So I used one a handful of times and man, every time I did, I was like more glued to just watching that thing than anything. And just love watching. That's what I, honestly, I really, really enjoy about ice fishing. And I think the biggest thing that gets me excited for ice fishing is like, you know, getting to watch their behavior because there's so much time in open water that you don't yeah. get to watch how they behave. Um whether it's you know you're just staring through the hole and you're only fishing over maybe 10-15 feet of of water and you can just straight up see how it's acting by looking down in the hole or having the camera set up in a in a deeper situation. Um just having that little window into their world is just fascinates me for sure. So
1: oh yeah, and and a lot of times I'll do that even with pipe like I'm not fishing shallow um, most of the, or I, I am fishing shallow. Sorry, most of the time. So, uh, yeah, just get down and lean over the hole and and look down at it. And yeah, when something comes in, it's it's pretty exciting. But the yeah. the cool thing I was gonna mention too, I noticed about the camera, and and I don't know what it is. Maybe someone out there listening might have some ideas. But um, the pike will interact with the camera. Like I I do think they're attracted to it because I've had it so so many times where they'll come in and they'll bump the camera, you know, before the bait. And sometimes they'll bite it. Sometimes they'll just come up and look right into it. Like they're staring right at you. Sometimes they'll, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, rub their face on it or whatever, and, and trying to figure out what it is. And and a lot of times you'll see them do similar stuff with the baits, like, and, and I think they're just trying to feel it or, or figure out what it is, or I don't know what they're doing exactly, but um, it's funny how often they'll come in and they'll interact with the camera first and then go over to the bait, so. I don't know maybe it's some kind of like electrical uh, impulses that it that it gives off or whatever
0: yeah because there's not really a light on it or there is uh
1: well mine's like an infrared light so i think though like I, I may be wrong in this but i think in alberta you're not uh supposed to have a light down under the ice when you're fishing like i think that's a, a fish attractant. and it's against the regulations so it is um, yeah yeah i it don't uh i don't use mine personally and, and obviously like in the daytime right you're not going to be using the light anyway but oh, yeah. um i think it's yeah it's something in the camera that that they're interested in and, and i don't know maybe it's just the shape of something like that hanging down there or maybe they can pick up on uh on something that the camera's given off i'm i'm not too sure
0: yeah yeah maybe it's just like a structure thing too that they're kind of like interested in structure all the time it seems like
1: yeah it's like, yeah it's is- hard to say but they're yeah there's definitely something there because it's funny and, and I've got some pretty cool footage, like the last couple of ice seasons where you're like looking right down the throat of a pike as it comes in and chomps right on the camera. And, and a lot of times it's the bigger fish that are looking at it. Like I find the smaller fish don't uh, like sometimes they will interact with it, but um, the bigger ones definitely seem to take interest in it for whatever reason.
0: Huh. That's really interesting. I'm trying to think yeah, of like what know, they're shaped like. Out there will... Yeah, wouldn't know. I was trying to think of what yeah. they're shaped like usually, too, because I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really look like much. It doesn't make yeah. sense what would be. But yeah. That's funny. So uh, was it family then that got you fishing as a kid and everything, like parents and stuff?
1: Yeah, well, well kind of like I said at the start, like just growing yeah. up and I was just kind of raised, like hunting and fishing was always there. But it's funny, like for a lot of my life, if you ask me, I'd always say I was a hunter before I was a fisherman, like, um, when I was growing up and in school and stuff that was really my my focus like I was all into hunting right and so it's kind of a funny story like so how I got more serious into the fishing side I think so um, I graduated high school and I was looking for a job so at that time the Cabela's in Calgary here had just opened maybe a couple of years prior and I'm like you know what that's that's a spot for a guy like me to work so I went uh, and I applied there and, and I was trying to get into the hunting department actually. Cause like I said, that was, that was my world. I was all into hunting. And so they ended up getting back to me and they were like, yeah, we have a job for you, but it's in fishing. It's not in hunting. And I remember, you know, on, on the job application, they kind of have you put down like, what are your hobbies? So, you know, of course I had fishing and hunting in there and whatever else, right. Kind of anything in the outdoors. And so, yeah. So they offered me this job in the fishing department instead. And I remember like, thinking like should I take it like do I know enough right like about fishing and uh because I had fished like a bit at that time and I I fished my whole life but I was always you know more into the hunting side of things like that was truly my passion so um but as it turns out yeah I, I got there and uh and I knew you know plenty enough of the basics to help people out and then from there like just started making kind of connections to uh you know local guys that would come in and stuff all the time and just being around that environment i uh i really started getting into fishing and and started to pursue more and more and it just kind of grew from there so um the hunting piece is, is still there and i still hunt every year but definitely um since then yeah fishing has has been the main focus i would say
0: that's wild that's definitely funny to think about how that would how that came to be and how it yeah took over and well not took over like you say you still do both but and how it just really grew on you to be such a huge passion and how much success you found through it is is wild to me. Like, yeah, like I said, again, and I'm, repeat myself like a broken record, but yeah, looking at the stuff you've accomplished, like tons of people go out and yeah, put in the work to try to accomplish a lot of the things that you've accomplished. So it's just so cool to to see. And it's just funny, like, you've done it your whole life, but to really take it a lot more seriously, kind of more into adulthood is, is pretty funny. The, yeah see how much success you got that way
1: yeah just just one of those like weird things that uh that kind of worked out right i think um mm-hmm. the butterfly factor or whatever they call it right
0: yeah you know one thing just kind of <laughs> put you yeah, on a whole chain platform.
1: reaction right
0: yeah oh it's too cool i was very much the opposite where i grew up fishing like my whole life and everything and then and I hunted around here a little bit and was around a lot of people doing it and everything, and then into adulthood started taking it a lot more serious. But, but as yeah. for the hunting side of things for you, like you have uh, a story you'd like to share that's like a really same thing, like meaningful or monumental hunt that you've done.
1: Oh yeah, I got a story, and this is one that that uh, <laughs> that came to mind right away. And you know what, Aaron, it's it's going to be different. Than I think any other story on the podcast so far, at least the ones that I've listened to. Um, You're right most, on. There. Most of the stories that that you hear are are kind of ones uh like you started the podcast with, right? Like a hunt about about a big animal they killed or, or their first deer or whatever it might be, and and you know those are great and and those are great stories. Um, but I think you know your big buck stories enough, and uh, and I don't think I can top that for the day. So I can give you a story about about saving deers instead while we're hunting them. Um, So, I mean, maybe that's a side of hunting people don't think about a lot of times, right? That, uh, you know, hunters actually care about these animals and we're not just, you know, ruthless killers, right? So this was a couple of years ago, uh, November, it was rifle season. And this piece of property, I've I've grown up on whitetails there my whole life. Killed my first mule deer there, killed my first whitetail there, killed my first antelope there i um, really familiar with this property. And uh, so the landowner is a super good guy. And and there's kind of the same group of people that have gone, you know, going up there for years and, and hunting this property. So we had gone out hunting um, that morning and I had sat in the stand and didn't see much or whatever. And so we kind of come back in the middle of the day and everyone chats and, you know, have some coffee and play some cards and whatever. Right. Um, so we're all sitting around the shop and, uh, and the landowner gets a call from his hired man, and he's like, "Hey, there's there's two bucks locked up on the hill over here." So we're like, "Okay, like we got to go do something, right?" So we throw a few things together in the truck and and go ripping up there. Um, so we get get to the spot right away, and sure enough, there's these two two white bucks up on the prairie, these two prairie bucks locked up. And so the first thing that I remember is. Um, the size of them like these were both really good deer one was a really good four point and the other one was a five by five and kind of gnarly i think he had some non-typical stuff some extra stuff hanging off there um and then the other thing that i thought is is one buck's in bad shape like it looked dead like it wasn't moving at all and uh and the other buck the five point was just going nuts and bucking and kicking and thrashing it was torquing this deer's neck like he one was laying down and the other one was Stood up, but he, he had his head down, right, because their antlers were locked together, and yeah. uh, like he was flipping this deer over and, and bending his neck. Like I'm I'm shocked how he didn't just snap this other buck's neck. Um, so I start taking some video right away, and actually I could I could send you this if you want to you know clip it into one of the episodes for the uh, the podcast on your Instagram there. And uh, so I started filming these bucks as we're kind of like making a plan, like what do we do here? Because this one buck's like he's pretty lively still and so um it was me my dad the landowner a couple other hunters that were there um so my dad goes up right away he, he grabs this buck by the rack like by the horns the the one that was thrashing around and so the the landowner he's a cattle rancher and he goes up and he he ropes this buck by the back legs and it's crazy how athletic these things are like with my dad on his head and and the guy had his back legs roped and he's locked up with this other buck like he's still dancing around right so i put my phone down and uh and i go and i I knock them over and uh so i lay on them. and at that point we had one of the other guys grab the saws all we'd brought a sawzall with us and we start just sawing tines off these bucks so i think we we yeah so so we ended up cutting i think if i remember it, it all happened pretty fast but we cut uh, one tine off each buck and then part of the main beam off the four by four and we got them unhooked. And so my favorite part of this, uh, this whole thing. So we get the bucks unhooked and the one buck is just still laying there The four by four, not moving, looks dead. Um, And my dad's holding this other buck and he's like, take a picture, take a picture. So I go and I've got a picture of him holding this buck, like gripping grin style. Like he just shot it. And it's like, It was like a catch and release buck because as soon as we got the (laughs) robots and he let him go like this thing just up and gone right takes off and uh and then so we're just sitting there like looking at the the other buck the four point and i yeah still thought it was dead like the whole time it didn't move other than when he was getting tossed around and uh so we're just kind of standing around there looking at him and then boom out of nowhere just jumps off rips away gone so I don't know if anybody killed uh, either of those bucks that year. If they did, they're probably wondering what happened to their tines and why they got sawed off. But each uh, each one of us took a tine home, and uh, and we got a good story out of it, and, and a video and some some pictures. So that's uh, yeah, maybe an atypical hunting story. We're we're saving the animals, and we but we all had whitetail tags too. Like these were nice bucks. So I mean, different guys. Yeah, and they were right by a road. Like I'm surprised no one just rolled up and hammered them kind of thing. Because there's a lot of road hunters that go down there but
0: dude i am literally at a loss for words listening to that. <laughs>
1: Like, holy... yeah it's a pretty cool story and like like i said to see two bucks like that and like i had been hunting that property that whole season and, and i hadn't seen them and and i didn't you know if anybody else had they didn't mention it because they were they were two nice bucks like i would put them both you know probably 140 150 or, or even north of there kind of thing so um yeah it's just funny how it uh how it worked out so and actually you know what that's uh that's not the first time that uh that i've ended up saving an animal that i've had a tag for but um that was uh, yeah, a yeah pretty cool experience
0: that's a lot there's a few lines in there that i just absolutely love that you said and one of them just blew me away laughing at it was the catch and release deer (laughs) oh literally like
1: the picture like he's holding it he's smiling and everything like holding the (laughs) rack of this buck like it looks like if you didn't know like you would think he shot it and then like let it go and it just boom bolts out of there so it was yeah it was pretty funny
0: it's just so i don't know why it just really kicks me because it's like people kind of make that comment all the time like there's no such thing as catch and release hunting like they you yeah. got to make sure everything counts, and you know, and then it's like, well, in a special occasion, we've made it happen. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
1: we had, we had two two at once. That was a double header, I guess.
0: Just <laughs> <Don't... laughs> like even fishing when you're in the field, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah,
1: no, I don't so know. So that was. Uh, I don't know. I I, I wanted to. Uh, you know, when we had talked about coming on the podcast or whatever, I I knew gonna ask me what stories i wanted to share and and i thought about it for a long time and that's one that really popped out um like i said there's a lot more to hunt than, than just killing animals and we all know that but you know kind of being especially in the world that i'm in right like in the finance world in the office world like there's nobody like or that that i work with that that is anything like me so you know yeah i'm sure a lot of the audience is is you know hunters and it's part of the community so they'll understand you know what it's about yeah. Um, I think if there's anyone out there listening that that's maybe not or has any misconceptions on what it is like um, you know that that story I think speaks volumes to that and, and you know what I would like to think that a lot of other guys, um, if they're in the same situation, they would have done the same thing. Um, yeah. so I think uh, yeah, I think that that's that's a reason I wanted to uh, bring that one up specifically.
0: Dude, I love it. And I'm really, really, really glad that you did because, you know, I think uh, it speaks to another element too where you're talking about how, you know, you both had the tags in your pocket. You, you know, could have easily walked up and, you know, kind of made your play on both of them. And
1: Wow, major play. Like there was, there was a bunch of a, a play to make. Like they were, uh, yeah, they were pretty helpless. And like I said, they were right by a road. So like they're lucky that, Cause I know like there's a lot of guys down that road that would have smoked both those deer cause they were good bucks. And yeah. so they're, they're lucky and I don't know where they came from or, or how long they'd been locked up for. Like the one was just completely exhausted. Like I've never seen a deer like that before in my life. Yeah. Um, so I think they had, you know, maybe been going at it for a while or whatever, but um, yeah. yeah, kind of a, a once in a lifetime thing. And, and I think somewhere in the house here we still got uh, one of the tines kicking around
0: that's too cool but it is really you know like when we always talk about hunting it's always talked about through you know even you know getting your hunter to de- hunter's education and stuff within that program like it's always about ethical fair chase right yeah hundred percent. you know that's something that speaks very true to that like those might be two bucks that anybody would be happy taking home taking a picture with and putting in the freezer right but ethically that's the last thing from a fair chase right you know having oh, basically yeah. walk up and you just walking up as the third party you know
1: yeah um, yeah and like everyone has a different take on that but just the way i was raised like hunting and fishing like ethics are super super important like and even for myself like that's something that i kind of you know haunts me a little bit sometimes is like um shot quality and stuff like when it comes to hunting like i'm so picky on shots that i will take like even with the rifle and and you know i pass up a lot of shots that are like you know those 95 percent shots or whatever but it's just like you know what there's something about it that wasn't right and and for me like just the way i was introduced to it like i would rather let that animal walk than than chance it you know every single time so whether it's that or or a scenario like you know i stumbled on an animal that you know needs help or or whatever or not being a road hunter and, and getting out there and doing things right like and it's yeah. the same thing that applies to fishing, right? Like, there's, um, you know, some of the new regulations and stuff, regulation changes, especially down here with the time to take closures and stuff. Like, personally, yeah. I'm not uh, necessarily in agreement with that. But hey, at the end of the day, it's the rules and you're going to respect that and follow it, even if you don't necessarily agree with them all the time, right?
0: So, yeah. I, and I think that's the most important thing that I think everybody wants to see is like, that's why they're there and, you know, everyone playing by the same rules is a huge thing. And there's no referee in the woods or at the lake. Yeah. I mean, there's you've got fishing game doing their best in times to make sure everyone's on top of everything and whatever. But let's face it, like there's, there's a certain point, ethically speaking, like regardless of law, like not to say regardless of law, like, assuming even that you're following the law completely, there's still the, like you say, to be ethical on like what shot you're taking and stuff like that, right? Like there's there's nobody, you know, coaching you from the corner being like, don't take that shot. You know, because like legality-wise, you've followed the law. Like you have the tag in your pocket, you're in yeah, a place, yeah. you can run. Like that is something you're allowed to take a shot at. But then, you know, there's nobody there telling you like, you know, hey, Duncan, maybe – don't pull the trigger on this one. Like that one comes straight from ethics and code of conduct of how we conduct ourselves out there. And like you said, like to think that a lot of people have that same mentality and, you know, there are some that don't, but there's, I think the vast majority that do. And everyone wants to make sure that we're on that kind of even, even playing playing field when it comes to celebrating a successful fair face. Right. Um, Well, and I
1: think like a lot of it is just like, you know um lack of education like for a lot of guys right that maybe just get into it and they don't like you said they they don't have you know someone to teach them the right way of doing things and they're just figuring out as they go so i mean you know sometimes when you see see that you know stuff out there that that kind of makes you shake your head like um you know i get it like and 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 i've seen it too and, and it sucks to see but like um you know you sometimes I feel like have to give the person some, some leeway, you know, maybe they're, they're new or they just don't know, or they didn't have, you know, somebody to teach them that. Like for me, I was super fortunate, like growing up with my dad, like he taught me everything he knows, hunting, fishing, and he's a fantastic outdoorsman. And, you know, instilled those ethics, you know, at a very young age with me. So, you know, when I was growing up, I, I did have that literally right. Like, you know, Hey, don't, don't do this. Don't take that shot or, or whatever. But um, yeah. you know, not everyone has that scenario. So, you know, hopefully with platforms like this, you know, you can help push that message out there and, and educate people, uh, on the railway to do things. Um, and one other thing, like I wanted to touch on that, that you'd mentioned like with the CEOs and stuff, um, you know, and, and really not, not, there's nowhere, no one out there to, you know, patrol things or, or at least not enough people. And, and I feel like that ties into the ethics as well. like. As an outdoorsman, like, you know, you're a steward to the land and, and be on the lookout for those things. And if you see something that's not right, I'm a full advocate of calling it in. Uh, Absolutely. And, and that's something I've done before. And and for those who don't know, maybe um, there are reporter poacher awards that you can get rewarded for that as well. So um, yeah. if you if you report you don't know, see something um, you have the obligation to, to call it in. That's what I feel like anyway. And at that point um, it's up to the CO to do their job. And, and if there's discretion warranted, then then that's their decision to make. But um, yeah. that's something I that I stand pretty strongly on as well.
0: Yeah. I really am glad that you did uh, make that comment as well because I don't think it's actually ever really been brought up in the podcast and it's a really valuable, valuable thing that's out there. And uh, I, I totally think it's a really great program to have that like the award stuff too because like you said let's face it like it's it's a hard job there's not enough people out there to make sure everything's being done by the book and I don't know what the heck it would cost to do that anyway because you know
1: yeah we're talking
0: about like wide open land and wide open lakes and like it's a lot of ground for a number of people to cover to make sure everything's been following by the book and everything so yeah I think it is super important to realize that um we all take a part in that uh, conservation officer role a little bit when it comes to um, having that, those, you know, like the reporter poacher lines and things like that at our um, availability so that we can contribute to that. Instead of just walking away, shaking your head, and being like, I don't like that guys do that or that guy shouldn't be, you know, keeping a cooler full of walleye when he's when he's at a lake that's jagged drawn or something. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of people will just walk their head, walk away, shaking their head, being like, "Oh, that kills it for the rest of us." But it's like, man, you do have an option at that point. Um, to at least give out a tip and make sure that everyone's, yeah, aware of being on the same page with it. So I, I do really appreciate you sharing that. Because um, oh, yeah. To, to add to it a little bit, like there's a lot of, I think like ethics and opinions that I've always like held close to my heart in the outdoors that way. Um, and through talking to everybody through the podcast has really solidified those things it's not that they weren't necessary solidified or maybe that's like the wrong way of describing it it's more so like concrete that as it's like kind of attached itself to the podcast that is like I really want to be an advocate or a platform for people to understand that this is like we all care a lot about you know ethics and, and doing things properly and that everything shared is like beyond proper right it's like yeah and you know to really even like even things that are a matter of opinion right like oh you have a white tail general tag and you can shoot a doe or a buck and you know there's a lot of people ethically that are like well I'm only gonna shoot a a buck i'll never shoot a doe right and then there's other people that are like well then why do they hand out three doe tags in an area supplementally or whatever right? yeah, so
1: supplemental like, tags yeah, yeah
0: and it's like you know there's reasons why like sometimes people should be out taking does and there's reasons why shouldn't like that shouldn't be happening right so it's like sometimes like opinion like gets in the way of conservation you know in the sense of Like, what is actually beneficial for that unit or whatever? So, something that I've started to really kind of like adapt to is like just being like, dude, it's it's really okay to, you know, bake a dough if, you know, there's just an outrun overpopulation of dough. Like, you don't need to be the Instagram dude with a big buck when all you're out there to do is all
1: the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like provide meat and eat it. Like, at that point, if that's your goal, like, there shouldn't really be a didn't feel bad about taking it though if you need if, if you're going to and you have the by all means the legality to do so or whatever right or the yeah thanks to do so so is it looking oh, for all, sure really... and like for... sorry go on
1: sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say like and and you know when it comes to that like you know there's a lot of opinions right whether it's hunting and fishing and, and kind of there's a lot of bickering that you know goes back and forth and yeah you know, sides are picked whether it's you know bow hunters and rifle hunters or or like spin fishing and fly fishing or whatever it is right and for me as as long as you're operating like within you know the ethics of the law then then I think there's really no argument there. And I think the bigger picture is to be like, look, you know we're all outdoorsmen here, right? We're on the same page. And so you know forget about those those little differences, right? Like I think there's there's bigger battles to fight and, and bigger threats to the community, especially to the yep. hunting community, um, you know, that we're facing. So, you know, keep that stuff in mind and and, and really have that, that big picture view.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I That was very well-spoken. Like it's a really, really good way to put it. And I couldn't agree more. Like that's a hundred percent. I think what people's kind of focus should be on is, you know, exactly that, like the bickering back and forth of, oh, but you use this so it doesn't count or, Oh, but you're, that's a cell cam or, you know? And, and I mean, what, there's like so yeah. much argument back and forth, but it's like exactly like you said, there's a lot bigger of a picture threatening everything that we love and do. And if we want to share it with our kids and the next generations and stuff like that, it's like, we have to make sure that we can you know, at least get along with each other before, you know, yeah. we worry about both on the outside. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Yeah. And it's a good example, right. Of, of the right way to do things. Right. And I think, you know, I think they're seeing a bit of a resurgence of it now too, which is good, and and maybe you know, somewhat social media has to do with it that you know people are seeing this stuff, um, you know, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's you know just camping, hiking in outdoors, whatever. And uh, and I think you know maybe with COVID too that had some some to do with it, like people are looking for things that they could, you know, get out and and do outdoors. But um, I think you know we've seen a resurgence of it over the last you know few years and and there's a lot more people that are getting out there so that that education piece becomes, you know, so much more important.
0: Yeah, it's so much more valuable for sure. Um, two random little stories I just wanted to really quickly include when we were talking about like uh, the saving the deer thing, like I didn't oh, yeah. I was trying to relate and think about any times that I had maybe saved a deer and there's really only one time I can think about. It. And it was just like a highway crossing so it wasn't anything crazy, but it was just funny because It was just a doe basically running across Highway 21 here, just east of uh, the city. And I literally just, like, smashed the brakes in my truck. And this thing was just distraught, kind of going back and forth. Like, it would cross the highway, cross the highway, cross the highway. (laughs) And I literally just was, like, hazards and high beams on the middle of the road, like, just waving people. And then eventually I got probably, like, 15 cars to stop on the highway. I mean, this might not be the safest thing to be saying, like, yeah, get everybody on the highway to stop (laughs) Yeah, prevent people from rear ending each other but no it, be- it kind of became like a thing where there was enough cars and enough four-way lights and stuff that everybody kind of hit the hit the brakes and realized what was going on and the doe like pretty much did a dance in front of all of us going in between cars and stuff like that for probably like five or ten minutes and then finally took off to the bush and left and then like everybody resumed traffic again <laughs> and so it's like probably
1: got uh hit before then is what it sounds like
0: Oh, really? Hey, yeah, like it doesn't, It she didn't look like injured at all. It just extremely distraught. Like, just like really. Was,
1: well, yeah, and I don't know, maybe it was just panic or whatever, but it just seems weird. Yeah. Like, if it was stumbling around on the road, maybe it had like a something, bit of a brain injury or something. I don't know.
0: Maybe, yeah, or something. Because, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, normally you wouldn't think it would be going back and forth, or it was so scared by all the cars finally stopped that it didn't yeah, know what to do, where to go. So. But there was yeah. really only that one time that I felt like, hey, not only did I maybe save that deer, but maybe save someone's windshield too. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny. Like, um, there was another one I had I had mentioned there that uh, that I kind of you know had something similar happen, and and it's not quite as exciting, but um, this particular time, so we had just come back from actually our annual um elk moose kind of bear combined trip in the Peace Country there. And nice. I think it was my dad that had a moose tag at that time, or maybe it was mine. But one of us had a had drawn a bull moose tag, and we ended up eating the tag. We didn't kill a bull. And so we came back, and it was like the next weekend or whatever. And um, we were out scouting, and and this was like totally different zone and everything, right? Um, but so we were we were out, I think we we're scouting for geese or something like that, looking in some stubble fields and um we kind of came across like there was this concrete um like drainage ditch down in this field and and we just see like these bull like moose antlers like sticking up in the stubble and so he had gotten himself down into this ditch and just the way it was sloped he couldn't get enough traction to like get back up out the side um so we ended up you know finding one end that it was a little bit less steep um kind of at the end of it and so we parked the truck there and i was in the truck i was super young at the time i was oh must have been like probably 14 or 15 something like that and so i was in the truck honking honking the horn trying to get the moose to go towards this uh slope and my dad was in the drainage that's chasing him and it took some a few tries but we eventually got him to run himself out of there and uh and took off so that was kind of you know again not quite the same but you know we had the moose tag whatever like the week prior and we're hunting for a bull and didn't get one and then there we are saving one so funny yeah. how that works
0: no for sure and it just yeah as a testament to just that that it's exactly like you said there's a great deal of care for these animals and it doesn't matter how many you walk up to in the field that you've you know harvested or begun to harvest it's like is the same way man is the same way friday night walking up to that deer you know into that bucket is like th- there's such an like immense amount of care and appreciation and love there it's weird it's, it's yeah something, the last thing that people really think that would be going through someone's mind in those moments but
1: yeah well and i think it's hard yeah for people that are outside of it that haven't done it to like understand that right and like that's something that i've definitely experience like working with a lot of you know non-hunters and stuff like that like they just don't it's hard for them to compute that you can like kill something but have like so much respect and and admiration for it you know at the same time and, yeah. and kind of the way i always explain it is it's like look if it's not us like who cares about these animals right like like who else is is caring about pike or walleye as much as i do right like the average person doesn't doesn't care even a little bit, right? So it's it's the outdoorsmen yeah. that are out there being involved and, and are pursuing these animals in the sense are the ones that that care about them the most, right? As as backwards as that may seem um, from an outside perspective.
0: Yeah, no, and and I, I, it definitely makes sense because in one way I like to think about it too is that like everybody chooses to care when it's like an opinion at the table, right? But yeah, you know, every other day of the week it doesn't even cross their mind you know, yeah, it's like yeah. when the topic of conversation comes up, okay, you have an opinion about, um, you know, the killing of animals for food when there's food in the grocery store or whatever, or, you know, the kitchen and release of fish or something like that. Like there's all these opinions about it when the opinion comes up, but it's like when they're going around for the next two weeks in their day to day life and it's not even crossed their mind. Yeah.
1: Where does that go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly
0: where for a majority of us, it's like, you're constantly thinking about like, okay, I'm doing this right now. What's into the next season? Where am I gonna go? What's the population like? What's going on there? How's things behaving? What's going, you know, like, you're like almost, you don't even realize how much you're you're caring because you're just so consumed in it, right? You're like-
1: Yeah,
0: hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, I just like, yeah. There's a lot of really, really important conversation to have and important topics to, to talk about. And I just, you're really well-spoken Duncan. It's been really nice to talk. Nice. About I experience. appreciate that. Oh man. I, I'm, I find sometimes the pressure of myself being in a podcast I'm like, I can't put things the way that they come to my mind. And yeah, it, I appreciate a lot of the things that you brought in and shared and talked about. Cause extremely extremely valuable points to be made and like you said things that might have not been shared and i love that story especially because yeah it's it's not something you think someone would be eager to share because like i said for like the broken record again like when you look at you know your instagram there and just to show it out there again right it's the hog hooker fishing right yeah Um, like the caliber of stuff you've been involved with and everything and you know growing up hunting and and fishing i imagine you probably have like an absolute plethora of stories of you know incredible experiences in the outdoors and then to come on and and share one of your favorites and then to share one about you know the total opposite is just a really really powerful story and a powerful message that you've brought and it's like yeah it's really cool man I, i'm glad you shared that stuff it's just yeah
1: yeah no like for me that's what it's all about and and you know like leveraging your platform to to get that message out there and and, you know that's what i try and do with my page as well like um you know show show the positive sides of, of fishing and and kind of give some inspiration to people that are out there and and local anglers and like i said you know like we talked about at the start of the episode like don't get me wrong like it's definitely a highlight reel like i'm not having those those crazy days every time out on the water but uh you know, if, yeah. if you put in the time, like stuff like that's possible, right? And, you know, you just have to be focused and uh, and, and set goals for yourself and, and put in the time and the results will come, right? And I'm sure you can attest to that with uh, with your buck as well, right?
0: The one thing that I can add to that with the buck is that if you're not there, it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's that's 100% true. You know what? That's That's something else I want to talk about, like, because I get a lot of yeah. questions um online you know guys asking me about like moon phase or barometric pressure or whatever it is to go fishing and like my answer to that is like go when you can go because the worst fishing day condition wise you know if you're out on the water you're going to have a better chance than if you're not so you know someone like me like i work Monday to friday like most of the week i can't get out there so like when i can i'm going right it doesn't matter what's what's going on so i think that's uh you know that's that's the right way to think about it
0: and I think it gives you it it gives you that upper edge too because then you become more uh, diverse in your skill set to handle yep. different situations.
1: For sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: If things are behaving different ways and what have you. But yeah, it is something that because I think we did just have that crazy moon on Thursday or whatever, going like right into hunting season. I can't even remember yeah. when it was big blue moon or big red moon. I can't even remember. And yeah, no, Go ahead. No, you go. Oh
1: yeah. I'm not too, uh, I'm not too sure there, but I think a lot of times like with a bright moon and stuff like that, at least my opinion from a hunting perspective, like depending on what you're hunting and stuff, but I've definitely seen it with elk and stuff a lot of times where they're, you know, feeding at night and stuff. And it just can shut down the movement in the day sometimes.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I've just, some, some people have been like, Oh, are you hunting with in the full moon? And you know, same thing, like you say, Oh, the barometric pressure and all the different, things that can sway maybe the equation in our favor or whatever in the ethical chase. Yeah. Um, it's tough to, I don't know, like, cause even then I thought about that too, after the buck, I was like, oh, you know, maybe the, the moon had something to do with it, who knows? But it, it's, I, it's, it's happened both ways for me where I've tried to stack the cards in my favor and it doesn't happen. And I've had it happen where things are the least calculated and it seems like things wouldn't work at all. And you're about to leave because it seems like a stupid time to be out. And then all of a sudden it turns on. Right. So it's like, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, that's definitely like how it goes. And and it's funny, like when it comes to the moon phase stuff with hunting and fishing, it's like everyone says like the opposite things, right? Like one guy, will tell you, you know, one moon cycle is the best. Another so guy will tell you that that's the worst one. Right. So it's like, who knows? And you know, that's like, yeah when it comes to that stuff, I'm like, yeah, maybe you can use it as a guideline, but just hunt and fish and like go and you can go put in the time and and that's yeah, you know, really there's no excuse for that, just putting in the time.
0: Yeah. I I have a question and I don't even know how to word it. But it's like okay. How would you describe throughout your life, you know, growing up hunting and fishing your connection to the outdoors like is it something that you find and this could get corny sure whatever but it's like do you find that connection to be like a religious spiritual connection in any way or is it like a something that you do for fun as like a hobby like I don't even know how to word this question but no, there's something I...
1: like it's beyond that for sure. Like it's deeper than a hobby. It's deeper than just something that you like to do. Like like for me, I'd say it's like it's part of my like lifestyle and how I was raised, like who I am as a person. Like even growing up, like I was raised on wild game. Like that's just what I ate kind of thing. And, and to this day, like it's a large part of my diet. So um yeah, it's definitely I would say yeah, it's it's a lifestyle for me or or a part of uh a part of my
0: identity maybe i don't know yeah yeah it's just a hard thing i find to put a finger on because it's like our society is built on the backbone of hunting and fishing and firearms like if you if you took on land and you didn't have a gun like to protect your family and to feed your family like you know having a firearm was like a night and day difference for survival and making it to the next generations for your family. So it's like to see a society now that is literally built on the backbone of hunting and fishing, start to turn its eye towards it.
1: Turn against it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's wild. Like, like, and, and like, I'm so happy that you bring that up because like um, for me, it's like, it's like a necessary skill. Like if you don't, if you don't know like how to get your own food, like, Like, is there anything more natural than that? Like maybe breathing or drinking water, like next to that, like, Mm -hmm. like how can so many people just be so disconnected from that and and not like, like maybe I'm wrong on this, but like, I think that the average person, when they go to the grocery store and they buy a steak or they buy whatever it is that they're eating, like they don't even draw that connection to like, that is a living animal. Like that's not, it didn't just start out as a food item, right? That's not how this works. And so I think, um. That's just like, as, like I said, to me, it's like as necessary of a skill as, as breathing, like it's it's life giving, right? It's, it's food feeding yourself is is something that's, you know, super important evidently. Right. So, um, hunting and and fishing and, and even beyond that, like, uh, those basic skills, I think are super, super important. And unfortunately, um, it seems like, yeah, like you said, um, at least some of the community is turning against it. I, I hope the pendulum swings on that, but
0: yeah. No, I agree for sure. For myself as someone that like got into hunting more as an adult, um, the biggest thing I found was it closed. I don't know how to explain this properly. Again, this might sound kind of goofy, but like it closed the like circle of life for me between like Mm -hmm. life and death. So like I was starting to realize that like I was walking around and there was this like this I don't know, invisible number hanging over me and it was like the death count of like how many animals I was unaware of that died in order for my life to continue. Right.
1: Yeah. And And brutally like nature is, is brutal and and horrific. And you see that when you're out there, Um, you know, and, and, but yeah. And I, and I mean, if you compare that to the industrial farming industry, like in a sense, um, there's some brutality there too. There's, there's no doubt about that as well. So yeah, for sure. And I think, um, when you can be, you know, connected to, to a one-on-one level, like, like you started the podcast, right. Tell me about how enjoyable it was for you to eat the back off your buck. Like, like mm-hmm. you know exactly where that deer came from. You were there throughout the whole process start to finish. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, I wouldn't think of it as, you know, you have a, a number over your head for that animal dying to sustain you. Like you were, you are part of that in a sense that that buck is now, part of you and, and your family and and will be forever right
0: yeah man i feel that 100 percent. it's it's wild but it, and it's funny too because like my son now he's two and a half years well he's i've been saying that for a few months he's just about starting to get close to three here um and he's at that point that he's really starting to understand things a lot you know like he's
1: yeah,
0: yeah. he's communicating a lot he's saying a lot of words and a lot of sentences and he, he's got memories now and he's talking about his memories and what he did the other day or whatever. And uh, on a side note of like some of the most meaningful things, you know, of, of eating this wild game with him is because he, his awareness is there now. It's not just like pureeing some moose for him or pureeing some wild game and, and he eats it and it's, it's good or whatever. Right. Like I've always wanted him to eat that growing up and have that. Um, Cause I don't necess- I never, I didn't necessarily have that upbringing myself. And I felt like when I had a child that it was my obligation to, to give him these skills, not in the sense that I hope he pursues them in life, but in the sense that at least he would know how to do them, that if he needed to take care of himself, he could as like, as a human, right. Um, So some of the biggest moments in this last weekend that really brought a tear to my eye were like, uh, when I got home and I wish he got to see the buck fully, um, but with the harvest happening kind of overnight, he, he didn't get to see it. Um, yeah. But he got to see the Cape, right? Like when I brought the... the yeah, I saw some
1: of the pictures cape. on the, on your Instagram yeah. there.
0: Yeah, on the story. And uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of had that moment. And then, I mean, other guests have talked about that moment with their kids and because my son's so young and never had that real moment with him yet and pulling up with this deer, it finally happened where I pulled up and he looked out the window and he's waving at me out the window and he comes and he opens the front door and he comes running out to the truck and, you know, I open the door and I'm like, guess what, dude? I'm like, dad got a deer, right? And he's like, whoa, yeah. oh. he's like, a deer? And I open the door and I pull out the cape and he's like, whoa, he's like, "Daddy he got a big deer. And I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, That's awesome. Yeah. Too funny, right? And then I didn't know how he would react because he's never, like, I've never had the opportunity with him being so young yet to, like, really show him, right? And for him to really understand, right? Yeah when I like I put it down on ground level for him that's why I took that picture because he like he's seen me pretty much kind of like petting its ears and petting its face and like admiring it and like showing it to him and then putting it down on the ground level he started like you know doing the same thing he was like wow like being deer and like petting it and stuff and and loving it and then another one of those like moments that kind of brought it here was you know my mom was over and you know grandma was over and this is the next day over the long weekend. This would have been like Sunday or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he says to her, he's like, did you know dad shot a big deer? <laughs> it's like just this out of <laughs> the blue. So true, yeah. yeah. And it was just out of the blue. Like we were just hanging out doing absolutely nothing random. And then this little memory popped in his brain and from the day before. And he just goes up to my mom. He's like, grandma, he's like, you know, dad shot a big deer. And I was just like, that's just such a funny, like, little thing and then of course tonight tonight at dinner to to fully make that connection with him and you know we're sitting down eating and i was like do you want to have some deer and i was like do you have some venison you want to have some of the deer and he's like the deer yeah yeah and he comes down and sits down and it was the first time i think he was like maybe aware that he was eating wild game and he was aware of what he was eating and it really did and it just really struck me because I didn't have that experience till I was much older. Of like being really aware. Like to me, meat has been mystery meat for so much of my life. Right? Like there's always been that disconnection in the circle of life. Of like, I just got it from the store. I don't know where it came from or who, what died, yeah. and how it died in order for me to continue my life. Like you don't know the the suffering of the species in order for you to pursue your existence. Right? So, yeah, just yeah, really like- a few of those things. But.
1: What I was just going to say, like, as I'm kind of thinking about it, as you mentioned that, like, in a way, it was the same for me, not because, like, I was raised on wild meat, but because I was, you know, just used to eating that, like, that was just meat, right? Like, I didn't really think of it as anything different, I guess, until, you know, I started hunting myself. And I guess, like, I was exposed to hunting at a really young age, so maybe, you know, some of it was there, you know, from that that I can't really remember. Um, yeah. But uh, I was going to say, too, yeah, that, that picture that you had, with your kid and, and the cape and the deer, like that, um that immediately like struck with me. Cause one of my favorite pictures, um I was probably about four, maybe five years old. I really don't know. And uh, my dad had killed a real big, mule buck uh, down south of this boat. It was a 200 buck is what I ended up scoring with the drop time and just a crazy deer. Wow. And, uh, and there's pictures like same thing, like me, you know, knee high standing standing next to him with this box. so um (laughs) it's it's really lucky that uh you know he's got that opportunity to to be you know raised into it as as i was because that's super valuable
0: yeah no i appreciate i take that as a compliment i appreciate that because kind of same thing from the opposite spectrum grew up without it and it's interesting to kind of have that contrast and conversation and um both reflect on that growing up and both from from having it and not having it. And I think a great world is a great one where like how you were raised and knowing, and not saying I, I, you know, my parents are great. Like I'm not (laughs) discount that it wasn't like I didn't have a good upbringing or nothing, but it's just like, you know, um, to have that connection is such a valuable lesson. And like you said, to have your dad teach you like those ethics and stuff at a young age and everything, like that's clearly stuck with you your whole life and his Created and built the opportunity and the connection that you've had in the outdoors. Um, yeah, and it
1: saves me from going through it and, and screwing up myself to you know learn those hard lessons, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as long as yeah, I mean you can you can still say like <laughs> whatever you're saying Dad, and go learn the hard way anyway, but yeah, yeah, well, just, yeah, you know, still take it and run with it. Yeah, man, oh, that's too cool. Yeah, I the uh, really. All night tonight, man. I've just really appreciated the, the conversation we've been having. And I'm just thinking if there's anything else really like, is there anything else you wanted to add to, or any other stories you wanted to share that clicked you while you're on here, just before I kind of start letting you go?
1: Um, not really. Um, one thing, if I could quickly shout out, I'm in Absolutely. a uh, walleye tournament right now, it's called uh walleye wars, so that's going on. Uh, if there's anybody. In Alberta, that, that's uh, a walleye fisherman is looking to jump in a tournament. It's a, it's a great opportunity. There's some awesome prizes. So um, it's actually halfway done. It started on September 1st and it goes to the 10th. Um, but anybody can join up uh, at any time and it's all public waters in Alberta. So um, there's some links and stuff. If you check out my Instagram, you can find it. But uh, anyone who's interested in that, um, go ahead and, and sign up. And uh, I've been fishing in it. Well, I fished, fished a long weekend in it and uh, and it was a blast. So...
0: Yeah, man, I forgot to bring it up because you mentioned right before we uh, <clears throat> got in that yeah, on Monday there yesterday that you were in the tournament over the weekend. So is that like a virtual tournament then where you're submitting things online or is it... Um... Yeah,
1: exactly. So there's an app. Um, so they've been doing it for a few years now and there's, a, there's like a handful of apps that do it like I've fished um, other tournaments on different like, apps, but
0: fish donkey or something like there's that. that a different yeah app?
1: yeah so this one's not on fish donkey this one the app is called anglers atlas i believe um don't quote me on that something along those lines and i um, think it, but that
0: sounds like it would be because anglers atlas is a thing so
1: yeah and one they're kind of hosting the tournament so it's it's the tournament's through anglers atlas if you go on their website you can find it
0: okay. and so
1: yeah pretty much the same thing as fish donkey so um, you know, they have some specifics on on how it has to be measured and, and how the fish has to be positioned and stuff like that. Um, and then, and then they, you know, they go and approve them all and, and make sure that everything looks good um, before they throw them on the leaderboard kind of thing.
0: That's sweet, man. That's uh, so what's the cost of entry, if you don't mind me asking.
1: Uh, so it's $250 uh, for the great. entry fee for that one. And, uh, and there's some, some great prizes. So, uh, if you go on uh on their website you can see you know the full breakdown and stuff uh but i believe it's it's the first top 10 anglers um get paid out spots and then there's daily big fish bonuses and then there's a stringer prize as well uh talk to your biggest wall at the end of the tournament
0: wow and so is it kind of those top is it basically big fish tournament then it's like kind of biggest wall yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. so but but the way they have it set up it's by angler not by fish so like you know, if one guy goes out there, he can't, you know, smash like the top five of the leaderboard. They'll just go down to the next guy that has the next biggest walleye kind of thing. Um, so that makes it a little bit more competitive. Um,
0: yeah. Well, that for sure, man. That's a really cool, really, really cool way. I just, I was into a fish donkey one a couple of years back. Um, and yeah, I just really like that. I even like it for like kind of hosting ones. Like I did a little one through work for, a couple years just with uh the, you know i think oh, yeah. nine or ten of us and we just did like a one for fun between us and we bought like a little trophy and <laughs> we'd oh, go yeah. out and, do, and we'd try and pick a different lake every year and go do our own little kind of for fun one but i love the virtual stuff that coming started coming out like that because it gives everyone so much opportunity to get out on different water and do different things and kind of oh, yeah. really cool
1: that's just it and more tournament opportunity and i'm, I'm actually glad like the way it worked out because i had heard about the tournament beforehand um they've been doing it a few years this isn't their first time and and it's actually a tournament series so after this they're doing it in saskatchewan and and they do it in other provinces as well but um i i hadn't planned on fishing it because like i don't really take myself as like a serious like walleye fisherman like i do walleye fish here and there kind of thing but it's not like my bread and butter but uh They ended up reaching out to me and uh, and wanted me to fish in the tournament and and we worked out a deal or whatever. So uh, I'm super glad I did. It's it's been a blast so far. And um, I actually took off some some days this week here when I was at work today. I I booked off some days because I got to get it in and uh, and hopefully get that top spot. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, best of luck, man. That's too cool. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you for doing the shout out there for towards that. So people know. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that there's kind of online tournaments and stuff like that, too, that are a really, really cool way to uh, get you out there and testing things and putting yourself up against other people and giving you another really cool, uh, like another, you know, fuel to the fire to get out there and and try and get on some awesome stuff. And yeah, maybe see some rewards from it, support other people doing it and stuff. That's too cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it uh, it definitely adds a little bit of excitement there. Like, you know, when you get that big fish in the boat, it's the excitement of a big fish kinda of on top of, you know, hey, maybe this is going to get us paid kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And it but also, cool. I would say, like, it makes you a better angler. Like, I've been so focused. Like, I like to be multi-species. Like, I kind of like to always be doing different things. But, like, I've been so focused, like, on this tournament. Like, every day I'm just eat, breathe, sleep while I think about walleye. You know, what am I going to do? Like... And so, and you know, trying different techniques and stuff like that. So um, definitely helps you get better as an angler to fishing tournaments.
0: Man, very uh, valid point for sure. That's really cool, dude. So, uh, other than finishing off that tournament um, and then the uh, camp and everything, you're going up to and everything you're doing up in uh, not Peace River, sorry. Yeah. Um. In the plans that you do have like what's what else is on the horizon there for you know like obviously winter ice fishing and stuff like that is there any other kind of big goals or aspirations you have right now that you're you're kind of driving towards
1: yeah not uh not so much like I said I've got uh, you know that hunt coming up in October and then a bit of fishing in between and November whitetail and then yeah on the ice season from there and uh yeah really nothing nothing crazy planned um but uh yeah we'll we'll see i I always find something something fun to do or a new spot to check out or or whatever so um,
0: something that um, starts to draw the attention oh
1: exactly yeah just just depends on what's going on right so
0: yeah well that's awesome and well i uh i'll be keeping an eye out for sure both i want to see how you do in these days off and everything coming up on the tournament i want to keep in touch and i'll be keeping an eye out to see how you do and then uh yeah, and same thing. I want to hear about and see some photos, especially if you, you get into a moose and what's going on there and everything in your season here. It's just, like I said, I've been more stoked to see what everybody else is getting into and, yeah, celebrate yeah. with the successes and stuff. So I just love to see uh, what comes up for you in the coming weeks and months ahead. And, yeah, man, like, I can't appreciate or can't thank you enough and appreciate the chat so much, dude. It's been really nice.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Thankful for the opportunity, and we'll see. Hopefully, the good luck streak of the pod will continue, and uh, I'll get yeah. a big bowl here in October, or maybe I'll uh, slam a 35-inch walleye or something crazy here. Uh, yeah, dude, let's go. So we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I expect big things now. You got my hopes up.
0: Yeah, man. Glad to give you some fuel, too. That's what it's about. That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: But no, Duncan, you're know, so nice talking to you. Honestly, I would absolutely like love to have you on again in the future. And uh, you know, if, if you do connect with any of these big things and come out with any other stories you want to share, by all means, just hit me up. We can work it out again. I'd love to hear even stories you already do have, man. If something else pops in your brain and you're like, Oh, I we should have shared this and talked about that, like, man, I'm all ears and it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I'd love to yeah, talk to you again in the future, dude. On here. Oh, yeah, right on. There's
1: uh there's a lot more stories to show us. Uh, there's a lot more short a lot more stories to tell if I can yeah. uh, form a sentence right. But no, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for everything.
0: Well, for sure, Duncan. Well, uh, yeah, I think I kind of hit that point, but I have to let like, go and say goodnight. And again, thank you, and you take care and have a great rest of your week and best of luck with everything you're getting into here.
1: Yeah, you as well. All right, thanks.
0: Thanks, man. Bye. Yeah,
1: take care. Bye.